0: Dropping that coast. Dropping that coast. Dropping that coast. that 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 How you doing, folks? And
1: welcome to another edition of Dropping that Culture with JD and AJ. I'm JD. And I'm AJ. Now we're going to be doing a, uh, a little special episode for you folks uh watching this particular program right now. Uh unfortunately my partner here is actually gonna be out of town next week. We're not gonna be able to do a show at the usual time that we do it. So we decided to do a special show for you guys, uh just to kind of conversate and have that one little slide over for the week and all that good stuff. So uh we decided to uh gel, uh gel together and we're gonna go into one of our favorite, uh mutual favorite shows. Uh, Animaniacs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, this would technically be like a sequel to Tiny Toon in a lot of ways. Sure. We did a deep dive on Tiny Toon Adventures. It was one of our favorite episodes, definitely one of my favorites because it's such a great show. And Animaniacs is just as good, if not better, in, in certain areas. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it's definitely something that's been on our radar and that we've been wanting to do ever since we started this podcast is talk about shows like Animaniacs. And we know there's a lot of fans out there. Like I posted it, I posted this on like uh, my Instagram and my Facebook, and I immediately got a bunch of "Hello Nurse" and shit
2: oh, like cool. that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but people,
1: uh, yeah, people love that show. And, and, and the like, dude's like, bro,
2: they're doing your shit. They love it, maniacs. So, yeah, there's an audience here.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, so we are actually going to forego most of the usual uh, segments that we have, but we are keeping one that's tried and true. Seven Degrees of Eddie Murphy, which is where I can connect any major American film star
2: to the great Eddie Murphy within seven films, and we'll hit our intro now.
0: <laughs> 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 Love it.
3: All right, so, all right, so what names we got for me uh, tonight? <laughs> well, I'm gonna go a little bit
2: of a deeper one: uh, Goldie Hawn. The choice. Thank you. Goldie fucking
1: Oh! I got it in one. Goldie Hawn was in Wildcats with Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes is in uh, Doug, my, my name, but Eddie Murphy. <laughs> you remember the movie Wildcats? She was like a football coach and Wesley and I think it like that was like the first movie it was like Wesley and uh, Woody Harrelson, right? Yeah,
2: I think so, yeah. That
1: was the first movie they did together, yeah. So <laughs>
2: Football
3: <laughs> All right. right.
2: Say the name again. Peter Fonda. Hmm.
0: There's
2: one
3: name that you've already done in the past that's had a had a film with with Peter Fonda. So I know you can get there.
0: Oh. Okay. Uh,
1: I go this route. Okay. Peter Fonda was in Uh Peter Fonda was in Easy Rider with Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson was in uh Pre-Z's Honor with Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston was in Daddy Daycare with Eddie Murphy. All
3: right. I've got I got one more for you real quick and I'm gonna say this one would be challenging in that as far as I can think of, he's only done one, maybe two feature films ever. Mm-hmm. But there was enough crossover talent, it probably won't be too hard for you. Eminem.
0: Oh,
2: yeah, got it. Okay. Eminem uh, was in.
1: Oh. Nah. Oh, yeah, i go this route. Eminem was in Funny People with uh, Adam Sandler. Only
3: other one. Yeah, yeah, Adam. Huh? That's the only other one I can think of other than the name Miles.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. He, was, yeah. he was in Funny People with Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler was in Grown Ups
3: so with Chris Rock. Chris Rock was in Boomerang with Eddie Murphy. It was easier than that. I almost had you with Goldie Hawn there for a second, though. No, no, no. As soon as I thought about it, I was
1: like... Because I, like, I, I thought about my little my little bit of a role today, so... Goldie Hahn films, I'm like, what do I want? Do I want to go overboard or do I want to go tra- private Benjamin? Do I want to go? Uh, what's the other shit? Uh, seems like old times, foul play. I know, I know some Goldie Hahn movies, man. She did, dude, in the 80s, she was, she was the shit, man. Uh, that, was it? Was a House Sitter? Was that House, house Sitter? It was, I think it was her and Steve Martin, House Sitter.
3: Yeah, no, I was trying to remember if that was what it was called. That, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that,
1: yeah.
2: Uh uh-huh.
1: yeah. Okay, so there we go. All right, so we got Peter Fonda, Goldie Hawn, and Eminem. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh okay, so let's go ahead and get right into the meat and potatoes of this matter, folks. Like going right into it, goddamn.
3: Whoa
2: whoa whoa whoa, where's my outro? Excuse <laughs> me.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> there we go cool now. Yeah, good cool now. All good. Okay. Meat and potatoes. But yeah, uh, but not to still a line, it's time for Animaniacs. Yeah. And we're to the
3: Mets. I, yeah. yeah. I was driving my wife nuts with that today.
1: <laughs> well, Animaniacs? I was just yeah.
3: sitting there, driving around. Oh,
1: uh, they'll so just sit back and relax. <laughs> it's catchy as hell. So, laugh, will leave the Mets. Now you got me singing. We're Animaniacs. Um, join the Warner Brothers and the Warner Sister with that. Just before we run around the Warner, we laugh, They lock us in the tower whenever we get caught. We get loose and, then and now you know the plot. We're Animaniacs.
3: That is cute hey, and yeah, go yaks.
1: You know what's, like, it's, like what's a,
3: it's like a wink and a nod back to the Golden Age of Television with that musical number. Yes, it is. got like, that uh, big full score to it, Like it's, it's killer. Yeah. Steven Spielberg loves that kind
1: of shit and it's very evident. He was like one of the things he was very insistent on and with this show and with uh basically all the other shows he did. you have to have a full on orchestra, got it, we got to have that you know that Carl Stalling, you know, Looney Tune sound with the full orchestra and classic music and all the good stuff. And yeah, it works,
3: it works so, box, so well. Uh, the synth in his garage in Burbank,
1: yeah, exactly.
3: That's where
1: this I, is. <laughs> Alright, so I'm going to start off with uh, One one, sub, one uh, particular segment That it used to uh, open up a lot of episodes Of Animaniacs da, 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 da. Newsreel of the Stars Dateline Hollywood 1930, the Warner Brothers Studio Here at the studio's new animation department Artists toil endlessly To come up with cartoon characters Ultimately creating three new characters The Warner Brothers and their sister Dot Unfortunately, the Warner kids were totally out of control. (laughs) Now, the trio ran amok and runs the studio until they're captured. The Warner's films, which made absolutely no sense, were locked away in the studio vault, never to be released. As for the Warners themselves, they were locked away in the studio water tower, also never to be released. Publicly, the studio has disavowed any knowledge of the Warner's existence to this very day, when the Warners escaped. That's basically the premise of the show, man.
2: Yeah. So mm-hmm. just,
1: yeah, just three characters, the Warner siblings living in the clock tower, and then they would, of course, get out, and the episodes would basically revolve around mm-hmm. them. Yeah, yeah. They would, uh, they would run them up, yeah, basically, throughout, really throughout time, because, like, they go through all over the place. Like, they'll, they'll be like, mm-hmm. yeah, they'll be like in ancient Rome, or they'll be like in the future, they'll be like talking to people like, you know, Albert Einstein, Aristotle, Michelangelo, which we're going to get to, uh, well, Beethoven. You know, and then inadvertently through their wackiness and through their pretty much irritating nature, they help these people come up with amazing braces. You know, and things of that same. And they basically they yeah, they're they're the rapping segment of the show. They uh come in, do their one segment, and then you know say so they pretty much set up all the rest of them. You know what I'm saying? Even they, they're the ones that do the theme songs for every other character for the most
3: part, except for the uh good the good feathers. They have their own And yeah, the Good Feathers was I was actually just thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> Would they blend Goodfellas and Godfather together?
1: Yeah. With the first one. Oh, no, no, I'm not, not going to do it now. I'm going to get to the second. All right, now, first off, we're going to go into the creation and animation. Now, Steven Spielberg, of course, is a huge fan of Looney Tunes, and that's partly why he came up with Tiny Toon Adventures, because, in fact, he wanted to recapture that irrelevance of the Looney Tunes cartoons, but bring it to you know, a modern time frame. Now... For Animaniacs, he recruited the dude that pretty much helped set up and create uh, Tiny Toons, Tom Ruger. Mm. Now, uh, Ruger actually based the Warner's uh, personalities on his three sons, a couple of which, I think, if not a couple of them or all of them have all done voice work on both Animaniacs and um, Tiny Toons. I think one of them,
3: yeah, one of them is Baby Plucky. Okay, no, but I just wanted to make sure. So, did you say that he, he based the Warner Brothers and Dot on his three sons? Yep. So, which son was Dot based on?
1: I think the youngest one. I think uh, it, it isn't specified which son is based on which son, but, like, the, the, the based, based on three kids.
3: Because I'm just thinking, I mean, you know, sibling rivalry being what it was, you could have, uh, have all kinds of fun with three boys mm-hmm. like that. It'd be, uh, you know, likely to be fighting with each other. Your dad. Right. Your dad.
0: Exactly.
1: Now, as far as the uh, look of the Warners themselves, uh, That's one recurring thing that happens throughout the show. Is like, what are you guys? Are you dogs? Are you puppy children? The puppy children. That's my favorite one. It's, it's the weird of the puppy children. <laughs> are
3: you half? Are uh, you half? Half uh, like mouse or something? Because they almost look like a blend between like a Goofy and a Mickey or something.
1: It's kind of weird. Speaking of which, no, no. The way the way they were going in terms of the look is basically based on the classic black and white cartoons from the 1920s and 30s. Uh, particularly like ones like the original the original Looney Tunes character Buddy uh, and then like Bosco and uh you know other ones like Felix the Cat and the original versions of Minnie and Mickey Mouse. You know that that look, you know
3: what I'm saying? So that's that's what the... went one- like with. that on a blender and that's what came out.
1: Basically, yeah, and it, it looks great. Now, Warner Brothers is, uh, now in terms of the actual producers themselves, of course, Steven Spielberg. Uh, many of the writers that they got were the same people that wrote on Tiny Toons, and then a lot of them were actually improv artists and actors and whatnot. And they basically were given the instruction to create these characters in the mold of the old Chuck Jones and Tex Avery cartoons. Just these wild, outrageous characters, you know? Uh, as far as uh, the humor of it goes, a lot of the humor of the show, uh, can be construed as violent, particularly like when you see the Warner's like smashing people with like mallets and anvils. Steven Spielberg defended defended this uh, violence, saying that you know, what I'm saying he, you know, it's, it has a point of view, and it's basically we're not going to sit back and passively just have this little weird cartoon. It's going to be active. It's going to be fun. It's going to be you know, and it's
3: classic it's, cartoon anyway. Yeah, but you know it's you no know PC always like, hammered on like Tom and Jerry about, right, it was the violent side of stuff That's why they even make fun of it with Itchy and Scratchy on Simpsons There's yeah. a, whole, a whole episode where Marge tries to get it taken off the air and she succeeds and then like nobody wants to watch the new version they put on because it's funny
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it, is, it is It's very funny, especially the Warner shit because it like, just comes out of nowhere Like, wow, that, that was funny uh, now, one thing that happened a lot on the shows, they would have recurring gags and uh, catchphrases. Now, of course, uh, the Warners themselves—that most famous one, "Hello,
3: Nurse," mm-hmm. which apparently has been around since vaudeville. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a classic. You—if you watch any old stuff, in fact, I think if you uh, might be able to find it in a um, Abbott and Costello bit. Mm, yeah. Can't remember which one. I might be mixing up. So sorry to any Vaudeville aficionados out there, but I I know for sure, hundred percent Vaudeville.
1: Yeah, and then it was supposed to be the equivalent of you know Buzz Bunny's "What's up, Doc?" So they had the "Hello, Nurse." Uh, and actually, originally "Hello, no, Hello, Nurse." I think we mentioned this in time too. So it was actually meant originally for Buzz, Buster Bunny. That's supposed to be his catchphrase. But it's like you know what? I don't think
2: so. Oh. But they kept... Ca- they kept the idea around. It was like, you know what? I think Tim's still want to shoot a little, a little younger. Yeah. Kind
3: of, in the accident. True.
1: Yeah. And then, of course, uh, the mo- one of the more famous catchphrases from the show Pinky and the Brain. Mm-hmm. Gee, Brain, what do you want to do tonight? Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. <laughs> yeah, I always, I always felt Brain had a real inferiority complex.
2: Like- oh, 100%. <laughs>
1: Take yeah, like over the world, he was like just like <laughs> just take over the world, and then like I love when Pinky would like give him like uh like uh, oh that's great, Brain. No, no, wait, wait. Like dude, he was talking about a, some plan where he like gonna get a giant magnet and cause all the people, it <laughs> cause all the ch- people with change in their pockets in the world to be stuck to the ground, and then he would take over the world. And Pinky's like, you god Brain, bring it. No, wait, wait. What if they just take off their pants? <laughs> and he's like well they'll we'll have to take over the world quickly
3: there's <laughs> always always something with a major flaw in it for sure It's and
1: it usually is Pinky is the one that points it out or Pinky is the one that actually calls. very much like Gilligan's Island with Pinky yeah. so, so. Uh, and of course like I said a lot of the uh, humor in the show is actually uh, aimed towards adults oh, more sure. than kids because like a lot of the references here like are way over kids heads like like, no, kids are not, like, a lot of kids are, like, not in the opera or watching, like, Apocalypse Now or movies like that, you know. I, like, the kids are not going to relate to, you know, like, even kids, they didn't want to relate to Jerry Lewis, you know, or because that was, that was way before their
3: time. Or, like, you know, yeah.
1: Well, as, long just, as, long
3: we're talking, as long as we're talking about catchphrasing and everything, right? Yeah. whenever they would have something that could be construed as a dirty joke? Because let's be honest.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he would just I look at the
3: camera. The, the audience. Good night,
1: everybody.
2: Good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah. That feels great. Need more for adults.
1: I like, the, I like my favorite one is the subpoena. Have you subpoenaed the witness? What? Sapini, subpoena, subpoenae. Mm-hmm. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> or like, have you, uh, oh, what is it like, uh, have you, we'll, we'll do some dictation. Dictation? I don't even kiss the girl. <laughs> <laughs> That was funny. Like, oh, yeah, they, they got away with a lot of stuff. And even, like, actually, they had to tone certain characters down because of their adult humor, particularly Minerva Mink, because she was, like, very – they drew her initially, initially as very vivacious, even even more so than how they actually – she came out or whatever, because they had, like, cleavage and all this other stuff, and they are like, no, we got to take
2: cool the do that. Yeah. And ba- yeah what's what's so. happening,
3: this is still in the era when you had uh, those – was it those, those women from, uh, was it like... Oh, it was like... Or something. Stupid, those, went out and... They parent, were, well, they, they pro, yeah, uh, married with children, protested that. Yeah, it was parent groups and shit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you were still... I at mean, was the same time you had, what's her name? Uh, wasn't it... Uh, was it Al Gore's wife that was like going after rap? Tipper, Tipper, Tipper Gore, yeah. Yeah, Tipper Gore, like, I mean... It was
2: Tipper, really, Tipper uh, Gore.
3: Yeah, she went out to rap music again. This is insane, like,
2: fuck
3: Tipper Gore. You know, my favorite thing, though, as far as like the switch around from the opening? So, you remember Bill
2: Clinton plays the sax?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then
2: they got rid of yeah. Clinton playing the saxophone.
1: Yeah, and then it just showed a clip of uh, the Warner Brothers doing like clog dancing. And then yeah. they had, yeah, we had tons of income tax, man. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, now, one, uh, the actual show itself actually debuted. On September 13, 1993, on the Fox Kids uh, uh, programming blog on Fox Network. And it actually ran there until 1995. And then, actually, at, at its height, it was actually the second most popular cartoon, well, most, second most popular show on uh, Fox Kids, second to Power Rangers. So, that's how popular that shit was. And then, yeah. And I,
3: yeah. yeah, we'll go for it. You, I think you're going to go about The Hub, right? Go to The Hub? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then uh, no, no, no. You go ahead. You can go ahead. Ben. I, I was just. I know. I was just gonna say that. Uh, then they made the move to uh, Kids WB, at around you know like at from yeah uh, at around uh, ninety five whatever, and then they stayed there pretty much to the end of the show. Now what happened was, not only did Peaky and the Brain get a spinoff at that time, but also Animanias was successful when Kids WB but not in the way they intended it. You know, because the fact that the, the largest audience watching the show was adults, not kids. So it was popular, just not with the group that they were intended to be popular with. But at the same time, it's kind of their own fault because a lot of the jokes were above the
3: kids' heads. Like well, the adults were like, oh, that's, that's funny. The show that was before its time, right? Because this is about six to uh, maybe seven or eight years before um, Cartoon Network and almost 10 years before Adult Swim. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is the kind of thing that bridges that gap between regular Cartoon Network and the Adult Swim. because I mean, because it, it definitely starts to skew. It doesn't go all the way, right? I mean, it's not like a, a Rick and Morty. Yeah. But it's getting closer to it. So, like, this would be the perfect thing to bridge between, like, freaking Tiny tunes and going into Rick and Morty.
0: True. Yeah.
3: All right now, now
1: that we've gotten went through like the run of it, let's actually get into the characters. First off, the Warner Brothers themselves and their sister Dot. First one, Yakko Warner. He's pretty much the, the splash cracking smart aleck of the group. Basically, he's yeah, he's he's based on Groucho Marx. Yeah,
2: well, yeah. he, he so, does he
3: does the cigar thing a couple of times too.
1: Yeah, frankly, yeah. It, it, even his tone of voice is like, yeah, cut as he laugh.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's the weirdest story I ever heard. You know, he's like, very fast talking, very smart Alec. And yeah, he's the tallest one with the tan pants and the black belt. Uh of course his uh his main crush is Michelle Pfeiffer.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: And uh nice. and also uh, yeah, and also the main uh voice director of the show, Andrea Romano, who also did Tiny Tunes, said that basically she wanted immediately wanted uh the voice actor Rob Paulson. To do, uh, Yakko, because the fact like they had worked with Rob on a couple of the shows, and he was like you know what, we want we want we want Rob here because we know he can bring it. And, Of course, he was he was foul mouth. Robert
3: Paulson, his name, yeah. is Robert Paulson.
2: <laughs>
3: rob, I thought Rob Paulson,
1: but yeah, he was foul mouth on Tiny Tune.
3: No, no, I'm I'm doing I'm doing Fight Club. Oh yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we I never noticed that. We should all be chanting his name, man. This guy. Fucking amazing for our childhood. He's a great, great voice, but it also works for fans.
1: Yeah, he does, and he also uh, actually has his own podcast, which is based around voice acting and the actors themselves, called Talking Tunes, which is really good. If you ever get a chance to check it out on YouTube, Uh, there's episodes where he's like talking with people like Phil Lamar, and he. I think it's like one episode where he has like the entire cast of Justice League. And one great one was like, he'll do like a, he'll have voice actors there and they'll be doing uh, <laughs> uh, readings, uh, like readings, different, like popular movie scripts as their characters. So like there's one I really love with, it's like Seth Green and him and he's uh, reading, uh, they actually, yeah, they, I think they're doing a, oh yeah, they're doing the Anakin versus Obi-Wan fight from Avengers of Sith. Okay. The dialogue from that. And uh Rob Boston is Pinky and Seth Green is Chris from Family Guy. So and uh yeah and <laughs> and, P- yeah, yeah, and Pinky's Anakin and Chris from Family Guy is uh no 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 actually uh Pinky's open one and Chris is Anakin. So he's doing the you know the Bill, Buffalo Bill voice for you.
2: <laughs> My new empire, you know the
1: Chris Griffin voice. <laughs> and and also, uh, they do like the uh, this one I think they did like. The, oh yeah, they did the Dark Knight interrogation scene with uh, uh-huh. Kevin Con, yeah, with, with Kevin Conroy, and uh, I believe I forgot who uh, Rob Paulson was, but it was Kevin Conroy as Batman, and they did the whole thing, you know, the you know they eat each other, that shit. That was that was great. Hmm. Yeah, so check I don't that out. what's going up, man. I haven't heard that one yet. Okay, okay, cool. All right, so the next uh, Warner Wacko the middle child, the one with the little red cap. And basically he's the the dumber one of the group. And he basically has that middle child syndrome where he like, he also has a crazy appetite because you'll see him eating basically anything. And, uh, and also, uh, you also see him with the little white, uh, excuse me, with the, uh um, light blue turtleneck sweater. And funny enough, uh, he also has another recurring skit on the show, great the great, racco- great wacko Roddy, where he does like uh opera singing uh,
2: burping. Oh
0: yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah
2: yeah so he'll do like uh <coughs> and it
1: yeah. uh, now the voice of uh, wacko is actually uh Jess harnell uh, who was an actor musician. Now, think about it was, he had not, just had, like, very little experience in terms of voice acting before he got his part. But apparently, he went in there doing a, basically a Liverpoolian accent. Originally, he came in there doing basically a John Lennon impression. They liked that voice so much, they picked him, and then eventually, the voice evolved from John Lennon to Ringo Starr. That's basically the wacko voice. It's Ringo Starr. So... But yeah, I always like I always that character. And also his dad was a TV composer. Uh Je, uh John Joe Hornell, who actually he's he, his most famous piece of music, um, the lonely man theme from The Incredible Hulk. That was just okay, dad. Right. we were talking about that the other day. Yeah.
2: Dun, dun,
0: dun, 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 yeah.
1: That was just that was just Hornell's dad that did that. And of course, we're gonna go to Dot, who is voiced by the great Tresman Neal was also Baz Bunny and God knows how many other characters. My favorite character of her is like the one that one that most people can't understand, the crazy cat
2: lady from The Simpsons. That's her. Oh yeah. Yeah, that is a good <laughs> That shit never fails oh, when you laugh. People. Yeah, throw cats
1: at people, yeah. You know? <laughs> she's the crazy cat lady. But she's done like you like once you hear her voice, like, oh my gosh, she's done like so many
2: fucking cartoons.
1: And the reason the Andrea Romano picked her because of the fact that, you know, She's a fantastic actress, obviously, and from but from a uh, Babs Bunny, you can see she does like a million impressions, and she also like she also has the edge to her, which is like really really uh, crucial for this kind of character. Now, Dot, of course, is the only female of the Warners, and you know her, you know her full name, right? No, I don't think so. Uh, Princess Angelina, Contessa Luisa Francesca, Banana Fana Bobesca, oh, third. Yeah, 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 I
3: remember now. We can just call her Di.
1: Yeah. Uh, you yeah, yeah. Call me dad. Call me daddy, and you
3: die. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot that. Dude, it's been forever since I saw that episode.
1: Exactly. Uh, apparently, uh, one of the writers, Sherry Stoner, who's coming up later, uh, she invented Dot's full name, and she based it on uh, P. B. Longstocker's real
2: name.
3: Oh,
1: okay. Which yeah. Which is uh, yeah, pipolata,
3: Delicatessa, Windowshade, Shade, uh, Macro Mint, Ephraim's daughter, Longstock. So just, just so I know where you're going, when you talk about Sherry Stone, are you going to talk about John P. McCann? I am going to talk about him,
1: but also uh, one particular character that they really came up with together. I this know which one. I won't take your thunder. Yeah, 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 this is my favorite. Now, some of the other uh, recurring characters for the, War- from the Warner Brothers skits, of course, Dr. Otto Spechtenskiff, uh, also voiced by Rob Paulson with uh, this his German accent and Psychiatrist. And they also, I love how they in the first episode they kept messing up his, uh, his vocation. Like, maybe you should see a peace psychiatrist. I am a peace psychiatrist! I'm a psychiatrist. <laughs> and apparently he had a full head of hair before he met the Warners, but them stressing him the fuck out caused him to rip all his own, all his own hair out. <laughs> he's been bald ever since. But even though he's like he's supposed to be like that doctor and treating him and being that counsel and all stuff, he really is of the uh, supporting cast. He's really the only person that actually cares about them. And basically, yeah, they're. Just he's, yeah, yeah he, he actually cares about them and they actually care about him. So, as opposed to the other people that's on this list, like, uh, well, Hello Nurse. There's actually a character named Hello Nurse, basically, this uh, buxom blonde studio nurse who is always there trying to catch the Warners, too. It's never really specified why she doesn't like the ones. Maybe because she's just tired of them saying hello, or nurse to them every
3: time. Maybe, maybe it's because, because she's she was uh, ahead of the curve and was done with the social harassment.
1: Possibly, yeah. Funny thing about it is the the recurring thing is that everybody thinks she's a dumb blonde, but apparently, one of the episodes comes to find out she has an IQ of one ninety two.
2: Oh
1: man! But yeah, I, I like that <laughs> character too, and and of course, uh. <laughs> And of course, uh, Ralph Ralph B. Guard, you know who actually started out on Tiny Toons, but he transitioned to uh, uh, <laughs> he transitioned to uh, uh, Animaniacs, uh, still voiced by Frank Welker, who did it in both uh, cartoons. And the last one, Thaddeus Plotts, the CEO of Warner Brothers, who basically hates the Warners. He's a short, uh, short-tempered little man. Who is constantly trying to get the warnings out of his way. But there are certain times where he actually tries to use and manipulate the warnings. for his own And also voiced by Frank Welker. Yes. yes, sir. All right. Now, next up in terms of the characters, a big favorite of the show, Pinky and the Brain. Mm-hmm. Of course we gotta do the thing. Yeah, of course we gotta do the yeah, we gotta do, yeah, you gotta do the thing. So mm-hmm. Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. The laboratory mice, the genes have been spliced. The pinky, the pinky, and the brain, 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 brain. And then, of course, the alternative lyric, uh, to prove the mousey work they're overthrow the earth. Yeah. So, yeah. But great cartoon. Now, the initial idea for Picking the Brain came from Tom Ruger. who, also, who actually based it on two of the writers on uh, Tiny Toons. Uh dude named Ed Fitzgerald, who uh is the basis for Pinky, and a dude named Tom Minton, who was that if you actually if you ever look online, Google it. Google the name Tom Minton, writer-producer, and you'll see he basically looks like the brain, got his big ass head,
2: his lean expression on his face. Yo, that's the brain. I was like, whoa. But in rap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in rap form,
1: yeah. And uh, Tom Ruger got the idea what if these two fools got the idea to take over the world? And that's basically where the braces of Peaky in the Brain came from. Yeah. And like I said, Tom, yeah, Tom is actually the visual basis of the brain with a big ass head. Tom, I swear to God, Google
3: that shit. Look it up. His head is fucking huge. <laughs> you're going to find out what sort of a rare, rare genetic condition now you're like an asshole for mocking me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I am, but I really don't care.
0: Uh,
1: so, yeah, uh, Pinky and the Bringer, two white laboratory mice kept in a cage at Acne Labs, and they're constantly trying to break out in different ways and use different ways to take over the world. Now, of the two, the brain was clearly the leader and the uh, the smarter of the two. And the voice actor, Maurice LaMarche, who I was a big fan of even as a kid, didn't realize it, he was the voice of Egon on The Real Ghostbusters, Maurice LaMarche. So, he was doing like a Errol Ramsey impression. But also... During his day, he was actually a very hot comedian. Uh, he actually does a set on uh, the Dangerfield oh, special. Yeah. yeah, so he was a hot comedian at the time. So there's one was like him, Jerry Seinfeld, Ellen DeGeneres, Drew Carey, people like that. So, right. But he but he got out of that and got into uh, what, what his real name is, voice
3: acting. He's like a prolific voice actor. I mean, here's the thing. Like, and it's it's a sad reality, but I feel like a lot of people they get so focused on the, the red carpet, that side of things that the whole thing becomes like having to see themselves and jumping out of the plane or whatever. They, 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 they end up over kind of glamorizing whatever piece of Hollywood it is that they're chasing, right? And so a lot of people, they, they can't ever see past that I have to have my face on camera, right? Yeah. The reality is you can be financially far more lucratively compensated for your time and effort and be allowed to be creatively far more adventurous and do a hell of a lot more by putting some kind of false moving image in front of you and pulling all the behind because I mean like you start talking about The Simpsons any amount of money people make you start talking about freedom like this' is one of those things like like um, um, Seth McFarlane's talked about a bunch of times there's shit that they did and again now like now versus then or even like you go with like uh, Trey, Trey Parker and Matt Stone with South Park. There is stuff these guys are doing now that everyone's like, yeah, whatever, cartoons. But if you go back to the -the over-the-top, FCC had everybody in the headlock, 1990s, and you realize some of the shit that they got away with, that Mm -hmm. there's no way you could even come close to having an actual human being say or do, because for whatever reason, the general public can't disconnect their brain to go, hey, that was a character that's not a real person. Yeah. Like, there's, there's something about having that there that lets you be creatively a lot more free, do a lot more crazy, fun, weird stuff. And yeah. again, ultimately, I mean, do you wanna? Do you really want to live in that studio apartment with two roommates in Burbank the rest of your life? Or you want to have nobody know who you are by your face, but everybody's watched your show and you're a millionaire? And then it's a
1: an, you're a millionaire, and then you just walk around freely and exactly. do whatever the fuck you want. Nobody bugs you. Yeah. Nobody bugs me. Yeah, like a... This is a great quote from I think the Central Entertainer cartoon. Uh, no, no, there's a Central Entertainer's like variety show. This is one kid where he's like uh, talking about like smart people are dumb or whatever. He's like, like when you're smart, people ask you to do stuff. Nobody bothers me, okay. That kind of thing, you know. So just just having that freedom, like of, of being so dumb. He's like, yeah, you know what? I don't know how TV works. You know what? I don't want to know. As far as I'm concerned, it's magic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is perfect.
3: Actually, just that kind of freedom. Just, just to bring it back in, though, something that, that um, hopefully I'm not somewhere our toes on this one, but from the Pinky and the Brain segments, one, one little kind uh, of Easter egg that I always loved how they opened up the segments. Remember how it always starts with him writing on the blackboard, THX yeah. 11:38. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's his first feature film after Yeah, USC, yeah. 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 yeah at THX 11:38. Yeah,
1: you know St- you know Spielberg and Lucas are buddies, so yeah, of course he got to give his buddy a shout out. Uh, but in terms of yeah, in terms of the voice of the brain, it's very obviously a Orson Welles impression, and wow. of course Maurice LaMarche is famous for his uh, Orson Welles because he's a huge fan of the actual actor himself. And that uh, first time I actually heard him do Orson Welles was not on Peaking the Brain, it was actually on uh, the Critic. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, because there's one episode where like he's, uh Orson Welles is reading uh, Sher- uh uh Jay Sherman's dad's will. They hired him to read him to read the will. He's like,
2: it's today's tales, uh,
1: mutual funds and goblins. I'm like, no, 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 no goblins to be okay, no goblins. I bring you the living will. Ah! he does like crazy laughter and <laughs> shit. And there's one point while he's like doing like a fish stick commercial. <laughs> like, what's well?
2: Yes. And Mrs. Bs fish sticks. He's like starts eating them. Mm-hmm. Oh yes.
1: Yes. He does the bra- the brain shit. Like,
2: yes, yes. Even better raw.
1: At, <laughs> at one point he dies and his voice
2: visits like one of the kids or whatever. Like, I've gone on to a place too. A place with plenty of Mrs. Bell's fish sticks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes,
1: they're even better when you're dead. <laughs> but he said the uh, actual voice of the brain is 65% Orson Welles, 35% Vincent Price. Now, I can hear a little bit that Vincent Price in there, too. Yeah.
2: Uh,
1: and, and actually, his, like, his Orson Welles impression was so good, he's actually the voice of Orson Welles and Ed Wood.
3: Yeah, no, I remember he, he, uh, he dubbed for uh, Vincent, uh, I can never remember how to pronounce his last name. D'Onofrio.
0: Not
1: D'Onofrio, yeah. But here's the voice of Orson Welles. And, of course, Pinky, since so we're talking about Pinky, Pinky's the weirder one of the two. And the voice of Pinky, of course, is Rob Paulson, again, pulling mega-duty on this show. And he actually, Rob Paulson was inspired by a lot of British comedy like Monty Python and Peter Sellers. So that's why he gave him that cockney voice, you know what I'm saying? So he just thought it was funny, and it worked for the character. Do you, do you
3: know who they almost got for mm-hmm. the one? Who? Patrick Stewart. Oh, that was so dope. Too busy <laughs> with to Star Trek, so, so he passed.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, if you look at his voice work now, especially like on American Dad, and the shit he did in uh, Ted, when he's the narrator. Fucking. No, there's nothing more powerful than a child's wish, except an Apache helicopter. An Apache helicopter with rockets. <laughs> it's a perfectly, it's a perfectly calibrated death machine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I used to love that. Like, I love me some Patrick It oh, It's fantastic. Yeah. All right, but next, going to uh, my favorite uh, character on on, on Animaniacs. <clears throat> I got to do the intro too. The crankiest of creatures in the whole wide world. Our next cartoon feature: Slappy the Squirrel. Ah, enough of the singing already. dad Slappy. <laughs> Slappy fucking squirrel. I, to my uh, my opinion, is the most underrated character on that show. I love sure. fucking
3: Slappy squirrel. And then this yeah. is that that Sherry Stoner and uh, John uh, McCann, right? I think so, is, is that's his last name, McCann.
1: That's exactly what it is. So Sherry Stoner uh, was the one who created Slappy squirrel because of the fact that John McCann was making fun of Sherry's career because she like did a lot of TV movies where she played troubled teens. And actually, funny enough, she's actually the visual basis. Or Ariel and Belle from Disney. No oh, shit, really? She's the, she's the visual model, Sherry Stoner. She probably has some really interesting uh, stories from the early days of Disney. Yeah, I saw some pictures of her as a young lady. She was very pretty, you know, as a very pretty lady. But she's pretty much, it's funny enough, this lady who came up
3: with this crazy-ass character is basically the basis for the modern Disney princess. Well, but so the crazy thing though about the way that he would do them and, and again i don't know necessarily as much with by the time they got to ariel and bell but at least with the early on ones um walt would end up having his his actors he, he would literally select actors people to kind of be the stand-ins and then he would have his uh the artists go and spend just hours and hours and hours just practicing drawing that person until they got where they they wanted to go so that's what i'm saying i'm sure that they're still yeah. doing it along those lines it must have been She'd have been, what, like 14, 15? Like it was, no, she was. She been By the time they were making those films. No, she was, uh, I think she was like early 20s. It I mean,
1: way, whatever.: it would have so, been, been pretty
3: yeah. interesting uh, experience for sure.
1: Yeah, so John McCann, since you mentioned him, actually was joking around about Stoner's, you know, thing with trouble Teens. He's like, you're going to be playing those trouble Teens until you're in your 50s. And she thought, you know, that's a dope idea. What if we had this older character who acted like a teenager? You know what I'm saying? Acted like a a, a kid or whatever. So she liked the idea of being an old-age cartoon character, you know, who would probably have secrets on some of the well-known cartoon characters that have dirt on and shit. And, like, uh, funny enough, when she was coming up with the character, apparently uh, it was an impersonation of Penny Marshall. Yeah, no, I heard that, Yeah. Yeah, it's Penny and yeah. Now, in terms of the voice itself, uh, Sherry Stone actually went to Steven Spielberg and kind of gave an impression of what the voice should be like or whatever. And Steven Spielberg was like, you know what? You should do it.
3: Okay. So Sherry Stoner is the voice of Slappy Squirrel. You know, the crazy thing is that happens more often than I think people would realize. Yeah. Like, if you watch uh, The Incredibles, I heard Brad Bird telling the story. So um, I can't remember the name of the actor, but he was working with someone for – Oh, shit. I forget the character's name, but the, the, the lady that's like the stylist to all the superheroes. You know, the chick with the, the short black hair? Yeah, I, I, know, I know what you're talking about. I forget her name. Something like that, some, some, whatever her name was. But anyway, he's yeah. working with whoever the actress is in the, in the voiceover booth. He's trying to explain her the way to do it. So he starts doing this mimicking thing, and she goes, look, I'm not trying to talk myself out of the job here, but maybe you should just do it because you, your voice, and he was talking about how it ended up being this fun, hilarious thing that he never would have expected, especially coming at it as an animator from that side. But this kind of thing happens, man. I mean, if you, if you have a clear vision of what you want and you're able to pull it out, more often than not, you better off to just go with what works.
1: Yeah, now, uh, the supporting characters in the Slappy Squirrel cartoons include, mainly was her, her nephew, Skippy Skippy Squirrel, who was like a young, Kid, you know, energetic. Basically, the complete opposite of Slappy, you know. And voiced, and of course, the kid was voiced by Nathan Ruger, Baby Plucky from Tiny Toons. Yeah. Well, Slappy was just a pissed off teenager, essentially. Exactly. I love you. I was like, uh, you remind me of a very young whoever, you know. I was one like, you remind me of a very young Scooby Doo. (laughs) You remind, you remind me of a very young Will Flintstone.
2: So that kind of stuff,
1: and also the villains that from old cartoons would keep messing with her even well into geriatric age. So her villains included uh, Walter Wolf, who, was her, who like who basically had this voice of like this like old nivish Jew, you know, that kind of voice. And it, had, uh, it was actually a parody of you know the big bad wolf from the old Tavy cartoons. Like, what if character grew old? That's basically what Walter Wolf was. And it was Frank Welker, and then it became Jess Hornell. Frank Welker did it once. Jess Hornell did it for the rest of the time. And her other villains, Sid the Squid and Beanie the Braindead Bison. <laughs> I actually like they actually, that. And they, actually, yeah, they actually had to change the name of Beanie because of the fact people th- they thought people would get offended by Braindead. They changed it to Beanie the Cerebrally
2: Challenged Bison. <laughs> Which is somehow funny.
1: <laughs> yeah. And another character that only appeared in one uh, one uh, slab cartoon but was very memorable, Candy Chip. And yeah, we're going to be getting to her a little bit later. It actually, funny enough, Candy Chipmunk was voiced by... Uh, you, huh? You cut out right when you said that. Can you say the name again? Uh, Candy Chipmunk.
0: Mm. Yeah,
1: and she was actually voiced by uh, Gail Mathias
2: yeah.
1: from, uh, from Tiny Toons and
3: SNL previously. Well, it's like we talked about before. Like, this is basically, it's a spinoff repackage of Tiny Toons. And really what it was is they started where Tiny Toons had to stop in terms of what they could get away with.
1: Yeah, I will get, get you that. Uh, now let's go to another segment, the Good Feathers, where the birds hit the street and they for good to eat. That's the feathers. Yeah, that's Good Feathers. When I'm cooing at you, or you're cooing at me, that's Good Feathers. That's
3: Good Feathers. Take no good for the toughest stuff. Blah blah blah. That's Good Feathers. Yeah, but you know what actually ended up eventually becoming more the theme song was that That's amore by Dean Martin. That's the whole point, yeah, it's basically a paradigm of that's point. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh,
1: and uh, yeah, so the Goodfellas, the good feathers, excuse me, were basically uh, a trio of pigeons that were basically made to act like stereotypical Italian Americans. There was three of them: squid, which is who was the narrator of most of the stories, uh, Bobby, the turquo, the large turquoise pigeon, and pesto, the little lavender one. Now, all, those, all three of those guys were based on Ray Liotta, Squid, Bobby was based on Robert De Niro, and, of course, Pesto was based on, based on Joe Pesci. <laughs> and I love how they all, yeah, like, because, uh, you know, uh, I was like, I was trying to figure out what Squid was Ray Liotta, but like, you, watch Goodf- you watch Goodfellas and, like, Ray Liotta with that weird-ass smile. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can see the I can see the Squid now, and it, whoever uh, whoever did, I think it was Maurice LaMarche again who was doing the Force of Squid. It was a perfect Ray Liotta, bro. Oh, yeah, so, so I was
3: like, oh, it's killing man really does. As far back as i ever been, bro. Well, and then, and then you have uh, you have um, the God Feather that shows up, that's basically Brando from The Godfather, he's the fourth one in Yeah. Up. And I love how like you know, he's
1: speaking in just like gibberish, and only Bobby can understand
0: him.
1: God, <laughs> pigeon says hello. How are you? <laughs> like, and, and then of uh, course Bobby will always do like the, the, the Nero stuff, like it would be bird related. Are You cooling at me? Are you cooling at me? Doing the whole uh, Travis Brickle, the taxi driver thing. You at me? Or like this one where they're eating seeds, what? like. <laughs> Yeah, he's. Like, are, are you eating my seed? Are you eating my seed? And the funniest one was pesto. What he would do, the you know, Pesci. What am I a clown to you? Uh, Get down. It would always be with squid. This old Ray Liotta, Pesci. Yeah, like a yeah, that. Like, uh, what well, am I clown to? You? <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh, like. What do you mean? by, Like you're, you're a good fellow. What do you mean by that? I say you're a good fellow. We you have some good, you know, some whatever that here to amuse you. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just saying you're a good fella. I am a good fella. Yeah. That's it. He just stopped fighting them. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he would do like uh he would do like bad Italian as he's doing it, like like Pasta Valoo, Benacini Alfredo. <laughs> 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 and and I love that their I love that their hangout is in a park and they chill out on the statue of Martin Scorsese.
2: Yeah. As they
1: should. As they should. As they should, yeah. So yeah, that's a great character. Uh Rita and Runt. Gotta yeah, talk about them. Uh I, I love the theme song, that's about it. Like, like Evan and Costello, like Sonny and Cher, like Warren and Lewis, they're a perfect pair. Like Laurel and Hardy, like Fontaine and Lunt, they're a perfect me this match. They're Rita and Runt. So it's basically a cat. Like this, this poor cat and this poor dog. The cat, however, was voiced by Bernadette uh Bernadette Peters. So and and of course they had this great actress and they did whatever they could to you know have her sing on the show yeah. all the time.
2: You know? Yeah. So, uh,
1: and yeah, it, it was cool at first, but then apparently Bernadette started asking for more money in L. A. Yeah, that's
3: yeah. always a problem.
1: That's always a problem. Yeah, so and Runt was Frank Welker basically doing uh, Dustin Hoffman's Rain Man. Yeah. And uh, he always, he always kept saying that uh, Rita was a dog. Like you're a good dog, Rita. You're really, you're really good. You're a really good dog.
2: Definitely good dog. Definitely good dog.
0: Definitely a
3: good dog. Definitely a good dog. But
1: yeah, the really yeah. the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. The parody of a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah but uh, basically, the Rita skits only last really one season. Yeah. Um, is whatever you know. Oh, yeah. I know. I mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. They, I wasn't really a, fun, a fan of them either. They weren't really that funny. So yeah. no. uh, another one. Yeah. Uh, another character set of characters. Buttons and Mindy. Mm. <laughs> and they, I love how they do the fucking Lassie intro. <laughs> but <laughs> Buttons, is how he looks up. <laughs> And I don't know, I've I watched it I don't know how many times, and it always makes me laugh. <laughs> like, he'd he be eating in the field, like,
2: Buttons!
1: Buttons! <laughs> and he starts doing the lassie thing, jumping over fences and shit. And, uh, <laughs> uh, so I did, like, Buttons and Mindy, man. Like, it was basically they just giant dog Buttons watching out after this little blonde girl named Mindy. Now Mindy was actually voiced by, you know, Nancy Cartwright, Bart Simpson. So and then I love how like and she would be in her yard. How the cartoon would usually starts. They have like the parents come in, you only see the legs, just like a
2: lot of old cartoons. It's like, uh, hey uh
1: uh, how you doing, Mindy? I'm good, lady. I was calling Mom Lady. I'm good, lady. Mom sweet. please mom. Okay, lady, I love you. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course Mindy would get into shenanigans. it would basically be like uh like, baby's day out, that kind of shit. Like, just, you know. And so, ben, Mindy would, like, be chasing the ball or some shit like that, and then she, you know, she goes out the yard, and she finds herself in some kind of adventure. Buttons, the whole time, is going after her, trying to save her. She'd be dead a couple times over if it wasn't with Buttons. And Buttons finally, yeah, and then Buttons finally gets her home, and then, like, some shit that happened where, like, she'd get, like, dirty or some shit like that, and they blame Buttons. Bad dog. Bad,
3: bad dog i look like I slaved for life. Give me a, a few times a few times.' <laughs> like, yeah, why don't you try watching her? yeah, yeah, for real, why don't you <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: you always just leave the dog, the, the dog alone with the dog,
2: you know like the, dog,
1: lady, the dog's gonna watch your daughter, yeah, so, so silly, but okay, so uh, now we're gonna get to some of the characters that are really not as well known, but they still have recurrence skits. now, um. Uh, one that was a favorite of mine, big favorite of mine. I didn't like it at first, but then as I became an adult, like these kids became really funny. Chicken boo. Sorry, what what'd you say? Chicken boo. Oh yeah. Chicken boo, what's the matter with you? You don't act like the other chickens do. You wear a disguise to look like human guys, but you're not a man. You're a chicken boo it was the stupidest fucking cartoon ever though it was basically this giant six-foot chicken in disguises doing various things whatever and it it didn't matter where it was he could be like uh like they always give him a name that would be like uh some some variation of Boo, like a general bully guard or uh james boo uh daniel uh, he was a frontier man he was daniel boo and it will always be like uh the majority of people are not are not like uh, uh like up to the uh, uh challenge or whatever they just they just see him there and he has like some horrible disguise it'd be like a hat or like a mustache or like he's wearing a tuxedo and they're like oh my god he's brilliant he's fantastic and then the one pair just like he's a chicken <laughs> he's a giant chicken <laughs> how do you not see that and then they would have some little uh activity something happens his costume gets knocked off you know very simply knocked off and then everybody's like oh my god i told and then the one person i told you he was a chicken <laughs> and then it all pissed off because he was a chicken He start beating his ass he always escapes and then he like ends up on a country road going off to the next place like and then the
3: theme song comes back
2: where are the skies look a human guys but you're not a man you're a chicken <laughs>
3: I always just I always just imagine it was the it was the theme song from the Incredible Hulk. So you
0: walked
3: away. <laughs> no, but
1: I like I like I like the Chicken Boo theme song. Bro. It's so stupid. Uh, I, like, it one, I think it was I think it's on the Warner sixty fifth anniversary show where he was like the, he was their agent, Swifty laboo Oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> he's like he's like wearing glasses. He's like, <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> Like Everybody's like, he was, yeah, looked through the boob. He was shrewd, he was something. He was a chicken, <laughs> yeah. They would just trip so hard that he's a chicken, like, oh, but yeah, I, I love chicken. Um, oh, yeah, uh, Colin, you know who Colin is? No, the Randy Eman kid, that's his actual name, Colin. The witch, the witch kid the Randy Beeman kid. You no, know, he was come out like uh he would come out the house, he would step up to the front, he would like he would address the audience and like, "Okay, so these, one time Randy Beeman's mom, like that shit." Oh, okay. That shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so I got, I got a couple of the Randy Beeman ones here. And uh one was like, "Okay, so one time Randy Beeman's cat ate this fish uh from a fish tank, but the fish was a piranha and it lived inside him, and he became a piranha cat." <laughs> <laughs> Another one I like, okay, see, this one time, Randy Beeman's little brother, he ate Pop Rocks and drank soda at the same time, and his head exploded. (laughs) And this last one was really dark. I don't know how they got away with this shit. Okay, so this one time, Randy Beeman went on this trip with his dad, and they picked up this lady who wanted to ride home, and it was in Kansas, and so she sat in the backseat, and when they got there, she she, wanted to to get out, and then he turned around, and she was gone. And then Randy Beeman's dad talked to the dad, the dude that lived there and told him what the lady looked like. He's like, oh, that's my wife. She died four years ago. Spooky, huh? Okay, bye. Yeah, he always said, K okay, bye. And he's go back in the house. I'm like, really? <laughs> the, four, the, the, the wife died four years ago when
3: I was
2: like, whoa.
3: <laughs> really? I mean, it wasn't as dark as some stuff we found in, uh, in animation, but, yeah, for especially for animation dark.
1: Yeah, it, it's pretty fucking dark. Yeah. Okay, uh I didn't really like this skip, but we got to talk about it. Um uh, the jungle was nice, but way behind the times for two endangered hippos with hip and trendy minds. So they flew that ranch over to the cities near and low. Flavio and Morita, the hip hippo's. Hip hippos. It's just I- two hippos with the hip hippos cartoons were not funny. They're just like these two Hippos, one one blue, one pink, and they're like speaking these like exaggerated Spanish accents, and that's it. That's literally it. That
3: that's really, what, I went to refill my cereal bowl.
1: Yeah, they're supposed they're supposedly very rich, but like yeah, just like this, like some Spanish couple or whatever. Yeah, it's weird. I I I just I just mentioned them or whatever. So. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh yeah, so but then we get into some of the segments that actually were funny. The fir- first one, good idea, bad idea. <laughs> Mr. Sk- well, Mr. Skullhead from fucking Tiny Toons—they brought him over too. And it was actually Tom Baudette was the narrator, the dude from the Motel Six. system a little light on for you with that boring ass voice. Yeah. Good
2: idea.
1: So, bad idea. Yeah. And I like—I got a couple here. Now it's time for good idea, bad idea. Good idea. Playing the piccolo in the marching band. Bad idea. Playing the piano
2: in the marching band. <laughs>
1: I remember this was one episode where they did multiple ones in a row. Good idea. Feeding stray kittens at the park. Bad idea. Feeding stray kittens in the park to a bear.
3: <laughs> That's a, huh. Never mind. I'm going to make everybody happy. No, 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 no.
0: <laughs>
3: Good Yeah, yeah. Very, very dark. Yeah.
1: Good idea. Stopping to smell the roses. Bad idea. Stopping to feel. The roses with all his thorns and shit (laughs) in his hands. (laughs) Okay. I got a couple more. Good idea. Taking a deep breath before jumping into a pool. Bad idea. Taking a deep breath after jumping into a pool. (laughs) Okay. Good idea. Going alpine skiing in the winter. Bad idea. Going alpine skiing in the summer. (laughs) 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 Okay, good idea, kissing a loved one, bad idea, kissing a total stranger. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this last one. Good idea, doing your own yard work, bad idea, doing your own dental work.
2: (laughs) I think I know most of
0: all.
1: Yeah, and it's an, here's another one. There's another one of the segments that uh, lasted only one season. Um, mime Time with the mind that would come in there. Like, yeah, never gave him a name, It's just the mind. Like, today, and the same thing, yeah, he didn't want He still think same thing, Tom Baudet. It's Mime Time. Today on Mime Time. And the man would come in, like, and he'd be like trapped in an imaginary box. And he does the thing, in the box. They say, you know, like, a safe falls on him. Like,
2: right.
1: the action. Uh, throwing an imaginary football, he's like, they get tackled by a entire fucking football team, <laughs> and it was a uh, pulling an imaginary rope. Okay, stop pulling, a, so pull a rope. rope. Then a fucking sandbag falls on them. <laughs> and the last one, uh, gathering imaginary flowers, he's like, mm, no. And they see they'll swarm. Bee starts attacking them. They fucked that mom up. But <laughs> it made for some great, great comedy. Yeah. Uh, here's another this is the last one of the characters and that same thing I didn't really like this character either uh, Katie Kaboom remember that one yeah 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 Katie Kaboom Katie Kaboom she lives in the house with a flower in blue her family knows and anytime soon the little lady Katie goes Kaboom so basically just like this teenager who would have like these temper tantrums but her temper tantrums were literally explosive she would like start turning into a fucking
2: monster Next thing you know, her house is blown up. That's basically it. I, feel, I feel like that teenage angst was covered with Slappy the Squirrel, personally. Yeah, uh, apparently
3: one of the writers based it on his actual daughter. So that's what it I'm sure she she adored that. <laughs> I'm sure she did. Had a therapy today hey. for that at all. Not, no chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, now we're going to get into some notable episodes. Now, the first one is the first episode of The sanitize Well, you see Dr. Scratch Snips you know, tell the story of how he met the Warners and all the of good stuff. Now getting into the easter eggs uh uh <laughs> when they uh the, at one point when there's like the biggest movie star in the world comes in is actually humphrey bogart and they viewed a little bit of as time goes by as he
2: as he uh
1: drives into the studio and then you see this wall where you see like uh dr scratch stuff has uh hung out with all these different stars you see him with like uh, uh edward g robinson rex harrison Betty Davis, Peter Lorre—they always did Peter Lorre in this old cartoon, like right? um, the big eyes and the in the book teeth and shit. Yeah, yeah, Peter Uh Claude Rains is the Invisible Man. <laughs> uh, who else? Uh, yeah, Clint Eastwood, uh, Jack Nicholson holding a piece of toast, representing you know from uh, Five Easy Five Easy Pieces, piece of toast shit. Yeah. Uh, Cher and uh, Michael Keaton. And, and uh there's one section in it where like uh, he talked to Reagan. he's like Mr. Uh, Reagan, like uh like, uh tell about your dreams. Well yeah. uh, I have a dream of a President of the United States. And then Dr. Scratchner actually writes in this Dr. Kretchen writes in this book, uh, Patient has delusions of grandeur. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, it, it wasn't really much to that cartoon except for the pretty much set up the story of the Warners and their relationship with the you know, Uh Then, of course, next uh, segment, uh, next segment, so, uh, well, a lot of these are segments. Uh, Yakko's yeah, World, this next one, and there's the song where he's talking about the nations of the world with Yacko Warner, and they do it to the Mexican hat song, <laughs> United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Jamaica, Peru, Republic, Dominican, you- <laughs> Puerto
3: Rico. People may actually know because that made a reemergence with a lot of meme culture going on right now for COVID-19. So yeah, exactly. Like, so what's going on with COVID? And then they'd replay, replay that old thing. Man, well, where, where, yeah, where,
1: where COVID is at? United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama,
3: here Jamaica plays everywhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I saw that.
3: How to po- I uh, think I might have uh, posted that on our Facebook.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, of course, the song has been, like, uh, probably the more popular song that came out of the show. And it also is a favorite of Rob Paulson. Whenever he goes to, like, Comic-Con and shit, they always ask him to do it. He usually does it, like, out of nowhere. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but, yeah, great, great song. Oh, yeah, next, uh, the first uh Slap and Squirrel cartoon, Slap goes Walnuts. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's the first one they, it's the first one they produce, it's the first cartoon they air. And they show Slappy and uh, uh and her nephew Skippy like trying to get some walnuts so she can make her uh, Waldorf go surprised. And they go to the next door and they do a whole thing with this dog uh, guarding these walnuts and shit. And uh, and then at one point she does like a talks about her enemies and you know, Walter Wolf, Sid the Squid, and being the Brandy Bison. And Skippy's like. This this is as fun as pre uh, uh this is as fun as Kid Girl Slappy, you No, know, as prehistoric Slappy, directed in 1935 by piss Peters. Let's not be anal. <laughs> it is so stupid. And then like uh at one point, like they do a gag where they do they do the old like uh what I forgot the name of the song, those enduring chimes. I think like shit with the xylophone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, they used to do it like Buzz Bunny cartoons. Like, dun 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 I was doing the wrong note. It would piss off the bad guy. And then finally, the bad guy would do the real notes. But so they did that gag. And then at one point, there was like, a the Wonderful World of Walnuts on TV, where it's like <laughs> the dog gets stuck in a fucking Disney. Uh, mm-hmm. You remember know when Disney was to do like, a yeah. Wonderful World of Disney, where it would be like a dog. Uh, Oh, I thought he was a raccoon or some silly shit like that. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. actually, a lot of that shit is on Disney Plus, man. It's really weird to watch. Like, yeah.
3: Dude, did you? Um, I can't remember. I think this was probably, probably season three. It might have been four. But do you remember the Get a Life Foundation sketch? Yes, I'm actually that's actually in here too. I'm, I'm gonna get to that. Yeah, I will get to that. I, it, that was one of my. It, it,
1: me too. That was so above his time. Uh, another great segment: Hooked on the Ceiling. <laughs> they do the thing with Michelangelo, where you know he's trying to paint the, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, but he can't figure out, you know, how he wants to do it. So he hires some people to help him paint, and he ends up being the Warner Brothers. But of course, you know, they they see that oh my God, there's so many naked people,
3: <laughs> and they're like you know what, we'll help you. You know why? You like painting your naked people. <laughs> One of one of my all-time favorite memes, and it's fucked up, but it's so funny, is there's like, this sketch of what's supposed to be Michelangelo looking up like his pants like, yeah, sure, fine, I'll paint your ceiling. and I'm going to draw a bunch of guys with their dicks out, though. <laughs> 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 and,
1: and actually, they do a reference to another Michelangelo, who's like, uh, Michelangelo is a painter.
2: No, not a turtle. You see the Ninja turtles? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I do have to say uh, too, I'm like real from an artistic side of
3: things I was fortunate yeah. I got to go in the Sistine Chapel uh, when, when I was about, about 20 years old
2: yeah
3: it's still it's worth seeing I mean it really is when you figure like 500 years ago and actually I mean the funny thing is like the, the renaissance came about right after a major plague in Europe right so like all mm-hmm. these people shut inside for a long period of time nothing to do <laughs> Coming out with some new, you know, talents or skills, or I mean, shit, man. Honestly, most people are just come out with a lot more Netflix and Disney Plus watch.
0: <laughs> but yeah,
3: yeah. we might be on the cusp of some really great stuff here. So I know you and I've been working on projects.
1: Yeah, so it would be great. You know, I'm saying new content out there. Yeah. So are you know, tired of watching all this shit that's been out there already. It's time for some new stuff to go in there. Seriously. Sure. So, oh yeah. Alright, so yeah, uh Michelangelo in the skit was actually based, the look of it was based the look and the voice was based on Kirk Douglas. It was very clearly Kirk Douglas. And then uh in the
3: end, um Which is a nice joke. He, Kirk was already about as old as Michelangelo when they're making this show. Exactly. And then uh funny enough, uh they
1: uh the the Waters repaint the Sistine Chapel a bunch of times. At one point it's like completely blank. And then he goes back in there and they say you no, know, you see like different things, you see like uh uh, a caricature of Elvis, you see like the kids from fucking the uh, village of the Damned. It's like this, this is weird. <laughs> weird stuff, and then finally they redo everything perfectly, and he's been like uh Michelangelo's waiting for his eminence to show him he's mentioning his eminence the whole cartoon, and then finally he does they do it uh they do the entire repainting the entire Sistine Chapel, and then there's one spot in the middle that's completely blank. It's like, "Oh my God, His Eminence is here! His Eminence is here! You just stall him. We'll go ahead and paint it." And then uh, he stalls him. You, you, don't, you don't see his, his Eminence at first. And then he go inside. He looks at the ceiling and he sees the final painting, and it's actually Elliot and Et doing a yeah. doing the God doing a, <laughs> end the thing with man and God. Yeah, the finger. And then it pans up. And he shows that His Eminence is Steve still. He's like, and "He's like, I like it." <laughs> <laughs> oh man I really, lo- I really love that cartoon uh, in the Goodfellas the beginning that's another segment where it shows like how Squid became a good feather. Uh, and, uh, like I said it was, first, it was the first good Feather. and apparently uh, the God pigeon's real name is Sully They never actually mentioned that in any other cartoon and of course it's a very clear parody of, uh, the whole thing is a very clear parody of uh, Goodfellas yeah. let's see uh, oh yeah this is a good one Taming of the screwy where uh Mr. plots try uh invite some very important people to like a business dinner and apparently the people are fans of the Warner Brothers and uh they want them to attend the party, but Dr. Mr. Plots is like, no, they can't. Not unless they learn some manners. So they start doing the whole, you know, uh hello doubt my fair lady thing with the Warner Brothers. And uh they behave for the most part. <laughs> you are like, you know, like uh doing like how do you you know one thing they kept doing was like uh like, 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 how do you meet somebody? How you doing? No, 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 no.
2: How do you do?
1: Okay. So they keep doing that the whole episode. How do you do? <laughs> and then they go to the party, and the party itself is packed with, like, celebrities. Like, I actually spotted a couple of You see, in the party, you see uh, the T-1000 from T2. You see uh, Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon and Stelman Louise. Uh, Spike Lee and Benning, Warren Beatty, B. Arthur, Danny DeVito as the Penguin, uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, of course. And with, with Pesci. And they had Pesci with the fucking blonde shit from people.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, what was that character's name? Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. But he was the witness dude. Yeah. <laughs> he's, always, he's, he's always kind of sort of like screwing everything up just a little bit. Okay, 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 okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, we're buddies. We're buddies. We're back. We're back.
1: Yeah, like like that's the Joe Pesci character. Yeah, so that that character's in there, and they got Sigourney Weaver as Ripley, uh, yeah. Michael Keaton as Batman, and they always do that shit. And at one point, Jack Palance busts out, starts doing some one arm push ups, <laughs> which is based on the whole real thing with Jack Palance did when he won the Oscar. Yeah, say, that seems about right for him at a party. So, yeah. So, yeah. And then it has a oh yeah, they have a uh, Wayne and Garth from uh, Wayne's World. Uh, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. You can see Whoopi Goldberg, Billy Crystal. You see Jaleel White as Urkel. And and this is the kicker one, Gallagher.
3: Gallagher's at at the party. (laughs) It ain't a party without Gallagher. (laughs) Got to get that watermelon busted somehow, man. Oh, my God.
1: But, yeah, it was a big deal, man. So it was a very, very fun cartoon. Oh, this is a good one. Bumby's Mom. Know that one? Bumby's mom. No. So, uh, Slappy Squirrel takes Skippy to go see this movie, Bumby the Dearest Deer, and Skippy is traumatized when Bumby's mom is shot. Okay. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah. So, and of course, you know, this is an obvious reference to Bambi, and the Bambi's mom being shot which traumatized millions of children.
3: (laughs) So, uh, but. uh, just, just a quick aside since we're bringing up Bambi. So the childhood Bambi voice in that, mm-hmm. the dude who did that, he actually went on to, I believe it was, I believe he was an officer in, uh, in the Marine Corps, if I'm not mistaken. And he kept yeah. that in a secret until basically he'd retired. He served in Vietnam, all that shit. But he, was, he went from being the cutest, saddest little kid on the planet to an absolute meat-eating, don't fuck with me kind of guy. Um, there's there's actually a really great uh, podcast that, um uh shit, what's his name, does the uh, um that's the way I heard it. The the guy who, who did the voiceover stuff. I, I know I always forget his name, I feel horrible about it, he did the voiceover for uh, Deadly Sketch. 30 so
0: what? I know
3: uh Tom Baudet? No, uh Mike Rowe.
1: Oh
3: yeah, you, yeah, Mike Rowe, right, right, yeah. Mike Rowe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a a great, great one. I can't remember which one it's called. It was about maybe like a year, year and a half ago that he did it, but it's fantastic, and it's a cool reveal when you find out how that dude went from, Mom, Mom, to like, like, you're going to call for Mommy. (laughs) That that is is a hell of a turnaround, too, man. Yeah. talk about growing up. What a difference a decade makes.
1: Yeah. Uh so uh so because uh, uh the whole uh episode was actually based on something that happened to Sherry Stoner herself when she was a little kid and watching Bambi and she was traumatized by it. Uh so <laughs> uh at one point uh Slappy is like waking up by Skippy crying or whatever and she's like, Pat, I'd like
3: to
0: buy a valve." <laughs> <laughs>
3: Is that, that, it sounds like she's mixing two shows, isn't it? Isn't she mix, mix, mixing Pat Sajak with uh, Willow Thornton?
1: Yeah, Fordham? and then, so what they do is uh, apparently Slappy knows the actual actress to play Bumby's mom. She's like, nobody dies in cartoons for real. So they actually go up and meet her and, and Skippy sees her or whatever. She Initially, she's like an old lady, but then she gets into the whole character of Bumby's mom. He's like, oh, yeah, she's not dead, not like, cool. And then as they're on a plane leaving, <laughs> They're watching a, a movie called Old Yellow,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then and so don't put down Old Yellow. <laughs> I'm like, oh no! <laughs> and 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 then and then, he, then he starts crying again. The slap is like, just played the black already to the camera. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, this is a favorite of mine, Wally Lama. Oh yeah. Yeah, with the wisest animal on Earth, Wali Lama, uh, who basically is based on the Dalai Lama, who he, he, he purported to know all the answers to all things. And he just gets tired of asking questions because too many people are being asking him stupid questions. Or whatever. So he's like, you know what, I'm not asking any questions today. And then, of course, the Warners had, had to see Wali Lama to ask them uh, for one very important question. And he won't answer them, so they start fucking with him the entire episode. I, I, love, I love when the warners will fuck with somebody. And they look at the camera and was like today's special friend.
3: <laughs> you know why? You know, t- why you, lo- you know why you love that? Why? It's the same reason I love that because there's some sick side of us deep down inside where that's how we wanted to be and how we were as kids, man. We're like, oh, so this is the person I'm going to annoy today. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, my special friend today. <laughs> it was, it's like it's basically the juvenile equivalent of. I'll be your Huckleberry. <laughs> yeah.
1: Today's special friend.
3: Yeah, so
1: they fuck with it the whole episode. At one point he does like meditation and he does like the whole uh he does like uh the llama thing. He's like
2: And
1: then the the meditate with him like, hey the choir of us like hey what you doing? I am hiding for the puppy children. <laughs> it's like, uh who, uh, who are they? Oh, they look just like you. They have uh ears like that, and red red noses like that, and they have white faces like a spooky clown, you know. And then of course he leave, he breaks his concentration, starts falling to the ground, and then they finally, actually at the beginning of the episode, uh, Shirley McLean is uh seeing him, and, and she, like he explains to her, no, 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 you could not have been K Ballard, in another. This came out. It's still alive.
2: Oh, okay. Like,
1: <laughs> it's so weird. And then they finally get a chance to ask the question. And it's actually a good question, too. Like, Just ask the question. Just ask the question. Okay, fine. Why do hot dogs come in packs of 10 and hot dog buns come in packs of 8? He's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. He starts losing his mind because he finally has the one question that he does not know the answer to. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's a great, it's a great reveal. Man. It really is. Uh, man. And then, oh yeah, and then um, another skit, which is the only reader and run skit that I actually have on here. Less miserable animals, because they do a whole, ep- they do a whole uh, episode where they do Les, Les Miserables. Yeah. and this whole thing they sing, yeah. they're singing throughout the whole thing, and it's actually really good. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's really all I can say about the cartoons. I, I, I like, I like around. Yeah. Uh, West Side Pigeons is another good episode where they do a basically the Good Feathers are doing a, episode, a parody of West Side story. Uh, and it basically the rivalry between the sparrows and the pigeons as opposed to what the what's the shit in the movie? The sharks and the what the sharks and the what, I played the other game. The sharks and the, uh, the, uh, um, the, sharks, and the yeah. sharks and the jets. Yeah. Yeah. So in this one, it's the pigeons and the sparrows so squid is in love with a sparrow named uh Carl carlotta and that's the whole gist of the episode you know what i'm saying it is it's so weird man but yeah um it's a really good episode it really was uh oh yeah oh this is probably one of my favorite ones if not my favorite hello nice warners but <laughs> mr D- yeah so you know no. <laughs> So after they run away from Ralph the Guard, the Warner Brothers get hired by this uh, control-obsessed comedy director for his movie. And it just happens to be that the director of this movie is basically Jerry Lewis. I was going to say. I love it. It's, it, it, it's Jerry Lewis. And uh, it was written by, the episode was written by Paul Rudd, which is going to come up a lot, because that, that guy loves Jerry Lewis. He really does. It's him doing the voice of Jerry Lewis in,
2: I, in the whole thing.
1: Yeah, it was him. Yeah. And then uh, I love I love when, I love when he introduces himself. Like, uh, he's like he's being like the Aerodite, you know, obnoxious, you know, a holier than thou, you know, non comedy Jerry Lewis. And uh I love, he's sitting there in the chair, he's like, take the word animal. No, take the word animal, post the M in the end. It becomes animal. That in a nutshell is comedy. <laughs> like, like, like what, what are you doing here, wonderful children? Wonderful little kids. I have comedy to play and plot. No. Like, I am I, I am, however, I am, after all, a comedy genius. Yeah. <laughs> so And this is like, they're like, give me, give him your music. This is Morty. He's like, can play. He's also a genius. Give him your music. Uh, music for the audition,
2: you wonderful Silly Cloud. So yeah,
1: he keeps doing that damn voice and it it's a really good Jerry Lewis voice. And uh at one point he breaks into the real Jerry Lewis, you know, he's like, oh
0: my god, what the fuck? What the they start doing this shit. Blow me up. <laughs> and
1: he basically falls in love with the Warners and shit. Like, and then of course he is actually a little too he's a little too zany for the
2: Warners. They're like, oh uh, no. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he got on hands, and then like he won't let them go. And then I love when they um they look to the camera when they say, like, "You're gonna do my movie." And they look at the camera like, "Be afraid, be very afraid from the fly."
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> and then the three, and then they actually have them do parodies of movies. Then the first thing they have them do is do like uh apparently there's a movie called i uh, I think it's like Cinderella, one of them other movies where. Jerry Lewis actually gets his ass with uh, a female wrestler in the skit. He's like, she's like, give, trying to give her shoes or whatever. So okay. they do a recreation of that. Okay.
0: Like,
1: it, yeah. So initially, the Warner Brothers come in. They do their zany shit or whatever. Like this fat lady comes in with this giant foot, and she's like, "Uh, like, are you a size sixty? No, I'm a size 6. Like, <laughs> courtesy laugh. <loud>. So, <laughs> and then they actually do the. Yeah, <laughs> and then they actually do. Yeah, I look now the Warner Brothers are funny I
3: feel like that was so
1: good. <laughs> yeah, and then they uh, do some shit where they stretch her shoe and it fits on perfectly. He's like, cut, 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 cut. What's with the sh- stretching the shoe thing? Like, oh, it's, like, uh, well, it's funny. Like, no, 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 no. I want uh, that's funny. Ho ho. I want funny. Ha ha. <laughs> so he's so he starts to do it like this is how I would do that scene. He starts, you know, into his comedy, his genius thing. And, nice lady, I'm mean, your shoes are too good, too little for your fat foot, and she starts beating his ass.
0: Stop with the hitting! <laughs> a, a little more,
1: See, see, that's how you
2: do it. Like,
1: <laughs> and then like, and then they uh, they uh, they take what he says, and they all they do is start screaming right? It takes, it's take like uh like so you're gonna do what I you're gonna do what I said, right? Yeah, sure. So he's in action, they just start running around like going, Oh lady, oh lady, oh lady, oh nanny, nice lady, oh lady, oh lady it's all to keep doing <laughs> and uh it's like and then he finally has, like, had enough. Like you kids are horrible, you kids are fantastic. Like if you're so good at this, why don't you like uh why don't you direct? And they're like, Okay. So uh the first thing they do is they do parodies, uh yeah, they, all right, so, uh, yeah, Wacko, Wacko is the, no, Yakko is the one that directors so, like, okay, in this scene, I don't want funny ha ha, ha. I don't want funny ha-ha. I want funny uh-oh. What's funny uh-oh? And the fucking animal falls on him. Uh-oh. <laughs> and then the next thing they do a the, uh, parody of Old Yellow again, Old Screamer. And it's like, uh, it's Jerry Lewis in a dog costume with, with Wacko. is like, I have to let you go, Old Screamer. And he's like, Bark wolf bark for a like, laven. <laughs> and and dies mom, like, uh, we gotta let old screamer go. But no, mom, I love old screamer. Bark wolf bark. Like, <laughs> like why would like, why would I let him go? Because I got you a brand new cuddly puppy. <laughs> goes, oh, puppy. Goodbye, old screamer. Bye. <laughs> it's what a mouth. And the next one. And the last one, which I thought was great, was uh, they do a parody of Indiana Jones, Illinois Smith. And it's Jerry Lewis's, <laughs> Jerry Lewis's Illinois Smith. And he's like, uh, I get the whip, he's like, uh, and then he tries to do the whip thing. And he wraps himself in the whip. And he's like, hey, they call him Illy, like Indy. Illy, use your whip. I think it's is not working whip. <laughs> And then of course, yeah. You know, and then like uh, eventually he leaves the leaves the set in horror and they, and then they look at him and they're like, That man is a genius. <laughs> and that's how they end the cartoon. Oh man, that was a great cartoon. Oh yeah, uh La La Law. But they do a whole episode doing a parody of LA Law. <laughs> Which was still on the air at the time when the first like uh when the first came around. I think I think LA Law went off the air like Yeah, I think I think it was like I
3: think LLR went up there like ninety four, ninety five. Well, it was like that was that was what if I remember right, really brought Corbin Burnson like to you know to the scene, man. I mean he was he was the guy. And not just him, Blair Underwood and Jimmy Smith. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, so what it is is uh, Dr. Scratchersniff was like getting a, gets a parking ticket and uh, decides to like like he wants to just go and pay the shit and get it over with, but the Warner brothers decide to fight it in court. So there was <laughs> their lies. The LA Law parody. And they, and they actually do the LA Law uh, intro too. <laughs> with the fucking LA or the uh, LA California license plate uh, with Warner Law on it. And then they actually do the, the intro with all the Warners and they're all interacting with characters from LA Law. So like uh, Yakko's with Jimmy Smith's, Wacko, uh, Dot is with uh, what's the name? Uh, uh, no, 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 it's Dot with Jimmy Smith's. Wacko is with what's his name, Larry Drake, the dude who's like he's like he was like their like uh, helper guy, whatever. Anyway, yeah, uh, uh with with uh, yeah with uh, Larry Drake, and then uh, uh, Yaeko is with uh, Susan Day. Okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah, they, he's kissing all over Susan Day, and then of course they fight it in court. And that, that was, this is the episode where they do the Sapini thing, the Sapini, Sapini, Sapini thing. And, and uh they do the dictation too, isn't it? Uh no, dictation dictation was the, the with the teacher, Mrs. Lemieux. That was done. Okay, that's one.
2: right.
1: Yeah. And then at one point, uh Yackle was accused of badgering the witness and like basically holding a badger at the witness. <laughs> and then like uh he throws the badger away and, th- and has a goat. And like, what are you doing now? Goating the witness. <laughs> <laughs> and I love I love his little line where he's like, Justice is not blind. It's cross-eyed. <laughs> you see, you see, Justice with like the cross-eyed, just like yeah, yeah. The, the statue, yeah, the statue. <laughs> it's funny shit, man. Uh, oh yeah, uh, Battle for the Planet. So it's a Pinky and the Brain cartoon where they basically do the reenactment reenactment of War of the Worlds. You know when uh, Orson Welles did the War of the Worlds uh, radio. Which I always
3: felt like this was a missed opportunity where they could have brought back Elmira.
1: True, yeah. But uh, I like that it was like this like, pirate broadcast or whatever, and they were like <laughs> faking like an alien invasion. And you remember the real one where like it was on radio, and thousands of people actually left
3: their towns and were in panic because they felt an actual fucking alien invasion.
1: Oh, yeah. Weird. Well,
3: it's crazy. I don't know if you ever actually listened to any of the original broadcasts, but they would say a little bit. back from Seabreak, this is where we're joining Orson Welles' production of War of the Worlds. So they tell you like, "Hey, this shit's like Orson Welles just fucking around," and people still. But, yeah. hey, look, you know, I, was, I mean, people. They, we can we can talk about the crazy shit people believe online nowadays because they see a YouTube yeah. video, right? So. My, my favorite part of that shit was like the
1: brain is supposed to be in the helicopter. It's like uh, uh he's like supposed to be a reporter in a helicopter. He's like uh, reporting for a helicopter when he just keeps. It's just okay. like the fucking uh. Yeah. We're, we're laughing at helicopter one. I thought that was really funny, and then of course it didn't go, doesn't go the way that they think. They do the broadcast, goes out perfectly, but everybody thinks it's just like this great comedy hit.
0: Well, I mean it was.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, and nobody takes it seriously. Yeah. Uh, let's see what oh yeah, meatballs of consequences. So it starts off in Sweden where the Warner Brothers are actually uh in a meatball eating contest, particularly Wacko. And he's like full from eating all these like uh meatballs. He's like, if I eat one more meatball, I'm gonna die. And death happens to be in the crowd. <laughs> he's like, Oh yes, that's right, Wacko Warner. One more, you're mine. And he eats it and you know, and he does, and like they thing you know, uh Wacko is dead. And he actually I love how when he dies, he just puts a sign on his head that says kaput. <laughs> Yeah, and then also, definite episode was actually voiced by Jess Hornell too. So it's Jess Hornell against Jess Hornell, and then of course the Warners, you know, like oh my God, like that's our brother. You can't just take us all away. Like they can't take him away. He's our brother. We want to go too. Like you can't go because you're not dead. He has this crazy <laughs> like German voice. You can't cool go because you're not dead. And then they did. a little bit. I was getting a little more Jamaican, I think. Either way, but <laughs> either way, yeah. Uh, but the whole episode is actually a reference to the, you know, E. Mark, e. Mark Bergman film, The Seventh Seal, where they, you know, they have the uh, game of death, that thing. So, uh, <laughs> so death challenges them to a game of chess. And it's like, no, uh, uh we, and then they start doing like E. Mark Bergman, like side, uh, side and profile, you know, the weird, uh, yes. German style mm-hmm. shit where it's like one person's here another person's here talking like, like, I feel like, uh, we do not play chess. I prefer checkers. Yeah, shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's really good, too, man. Uh, but, yeah, but finally, they, uh, they, they uh, work something out, and then Dev gets tired of
0: them.
3: That's how that episode oh, another dope episode, Hearts of Twilight. You remember this one? I probably will. Here's the thing, like, when it comes to especially, especially the animated stuff, okay. I don't remember okay. the titles, but when you describe my I usually end up, pops back in.
1: Okay, I'll ask you this, then. Okay, since you're a movie guy. What is the name of the documentary for Apocalypse
3: Now? Oh, um, In the Heart of Darkness, or Into the Heart of Darkness. Hearts of Darkness. So this is Hearts of Twilight. Okay, I got you. I'm yeah, so
1: so basically what happens is Thaddeus Plot sends the Warner Brothers to stop this crazy director who will not finish his movie. He's going over budget, over schedule, and he, he, the reason he, he, uh, reason he can't do it because he hasn't found his ending. Perfect ending. So they send the Warner Brothers to get him to end the fucking movie. And then the whole throughout the whole Get Down, uh, they have this like uh, parody of The Doors, The End, playing throughout the whole
2: episode.
1: And it's like, and, and, uh, and it plays through the beginning, the middle, and the end of the song, like This is the beginning, the beginning of a story, the <laughs> beginning. <laughs> and then in the middle of it. This is the middle, the middle of the story. <laughs> so they travel in the guard cart to this uh, site. And then, of course, uh, when they get to the site, they see these, like, uh, they send accountants there first. And the accountants are enslaved by this Mr. Director guy. And uh, they're uh, they, uh, holding spears screaming, Troy Laven, <laughs> for Laven, Troy Laven, Troy Laven. And then the Warners are trapped, and they actually meet a Dennis Hopper character. Yeah. Like, like who? Like he he's, he's the cool. He's like he, he's the guy, man. He's the thing. He's 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 the planner, the plotter, the thinker, man. He's the, <laughs> like he's like uh, like can we just see him? No, you can't see him without saying the magic word, man. You gotta know the word, man. And he, and the Wacko looks at the, uh, the accountant like he keeps saying for Enlaven, for Enlaven, for Enlaven. And Wacko's like, is it? Lavin. he's spoken Froylan. Yes, <laughs> and they let him in, and then uh, and as they're going in, the dudes are still screaming Froylan, Lavin. and Dot asks Yako yeah, like, "How'd you get that name?" Uh, just yes guess. <laughs> <laughs> and they go inside the studio, like in, in Warner Brothers, and they meet this. Uh, Colonel Kirk's like character, who's basically Mr. Director again, it's Jerry Lewis again, <laughs> and he does the whole thing with uh ooey gooey, uh, like the whole, you know, the whole uh, thing where they had the tape of Colonel Kirk's, He's talking about like a snail going over a razor blade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they do the whole thing, same thing with Jerry Lewis. I saw, a squ- I saw a snail. At the time. His name was ooey gooey, and it, and it's like it's like kind of how like uh. You first see Colonel Kurtz when he's like shrouded in darkness. the yeah. same thing with yeah. him. And then as he's talking, a fly goes in his mouth and he turns into Jerry Lewis.
0: Ahead, oh you <laughs> go slow <ahead, man."> bug. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. And then at one point uh they actually get trapped and uh dot's like, Thank you, amazing Creskin. <laughs> the references on this show, man, the amazing Creskin.
3: <laughs> That's what we were talking about before. This was definitely geared. It would have been way better set for programming to be leading into adult swim. Yeah, and then uh, of course the, uh, they finally get the director to stop, and it's like, hey, like uh,
1: <laughs> hey, uh we'll we'll, uh, we'll give you your ending. Really, the end, the ending for me to have, for me to hold, have, have the whole. Yeah, and then like uh, they get behind the camera and just say action, and they hit him with an anvil. And it's like cut, print that's a wrap and as they're leaving they do the, the the song one more time this is the end the end the ending of a story the ending they get in the golf cart they run over something and it's like and that's the end then you see they run over jim morrison <laughs> he's still singing though and that's the ending the ending <laughs> the ending <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the <laughs> Oh yeah, and then there's another cartoon right after this called The Boys, was basically the Goodfellas being stunt doubles on Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Mm-hmm. So, and then of course they get their ass kicked the whole time because they're stunt birds, uh, and uh, yeah, it's pretty much the basis of that shit. But I love, I love how it's called The Boyds, Yeah, uh, then they have another good cartoon, uh, Hercule Yako, where they do an Agatha Christie mystery.
2: Oh so yeah. It's like, uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're on a cruise boat, and uh, it's the hip hippos. Um, one of the hippos loses a diamond, and they hire Hercule Yakko uh basically playing, basically playing Hercule Poirot or whatever. But he's dressed like Sherlock Holmes, which is yeah. So, so he's there to solve this mystery. And then they have like basically every character from Animaniacs is in there. They, you know, it's like you no know, Murder on the Orient Express, you know, like. Who did it? You no, know, which of us did it? You no, know? and I love well, one part they wake up, slappy squirrel. She's like, uh, "Have you seen anything strange tonight?" Or said, "One time I saw, said <laughs> one time I saw uh, Wally Gator slam dance with the Smurf. That's strange." <laughs> 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 actually, it was funny. And then, oh yeah, and then actually, it, it has one of the dirtiest jokes in Animaniacs when they actually, um, we need fingerprints, and then like, uh, prints, and, and then that is holding prints. The artist, farthest the from those prints, and and, uh, and Yako's like, uh, no, no, fingerprints, and Prince looks like, Yack, and looks like Dash is like, <laughs> like um, no, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> and then she throws them overboard. And she gives her a look, <laughs> and she throws them. <laughs> They are so stupid I was like, Dude. Oh man, but yeah, that's that's pretty much that episode. <laughs> It was a really good episode. Oh yeah, then they have uh, I forgot. There's another episode where they have, like then uh, they call it testimonials? Where it's like it was a wraparound skip for one episode. It's like these old time like uh, uh pretty much like Borscht belt comedians talk about living with you know the work the Warner Brothers and you know working with them more than that. And the recurring thing that happened with all of them was, you know, the Milton Berle never liked Yakko. Yeah, and, it, and it, every time the uh, interviewer keeps mentioning uh, somebody, whoever's being interviewed mentions that, and then the is like,
2: uh, yeah, we've heard that before. Oh, well, well I won't get into it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, like, and, and, and one dude just brought it up out of nowhere. They didn't even ask no question.
2: Burl did not like, yeah, though. Yes, we know that. Okay, well, I won't go into it. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, he didn't like me.
1: Uh okay, and then there's another episode, Sir Yaxalot, where the Warner brothers are recruited by this medieval king to fight a dragon. Now the king, which I loved, and I, this is a really deep cut. The king Arthur voice they have is actually Dave Thomas from SCTV.
2: Shit. And he's
1: actually and he's actually doing his impression of Richard Burton. <laughs> you, remember, you remember you don't know the skin I'm talking about, right? Where it's like Richard Burton singing MacArthur Park. <laughs> But he does that, like, Richard, like, was like Richard, uh, the Richard Burton voice where he's like, uh, no, I'm sorry, Richard Harris, not Richard Burton, Richard no, Harris. I don't about. Yeah, Richard, but yeah, he's like doing the Richard Harris, was like, talks slow, lowest person, he has that like loud cocky voice. Hello, <laughs> so he does that voice as the king. I thought it was so hilarious. But if you ever, like, for those of you watching, go to you go, you can find on YouTube, there's a SCTV skit. I think it's called uh Mel's Rock Pit or Rock Pile or whatever. Where like uh Richard Harris goes in there singing his version of the song MacArthur Park, MacArthur Park is melting and the sweet, green, ice is flowing down. And then it just goes into this long ass dance break and just keeps dancing. <laughs> it
2: just keeps... <laughs> just
1: it goes on for like minutes, and it, and then is uh, and then Eugene Levy keeps coming. in. He's like, right, "Can you stop now? Like, the song is over." But he does that voice for the king, and then I uh, was like, "The laugh they really."
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's great man it really is uh and then um <laughs> uh the, they have, actually have murder them it's like all the king arthur shit so they have murder the magician and murder the magician is <laughs> is doug henning
0: really
1: yeah they have, they have a um uh yeah, doug, doug, doug henning the magician
2: it's magical <laughs>
1: The magic of reading. I love South Park when they did him. That because wow. the a lot of people didn't catch it. That you know because he's a chicken lover shit. Yeah, he was the dude. The magic of reading. <laughs> <laughs> Doug Henning, that's the real guy. He's like, yeah, he's he's a dude with long hair, very skinny guy with this really the real bad like overbite shit. The magic of reading. The magic of Doug <laughs> Henning. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was a great skit. That, that pretty much was just an episode. oh yeah, this is the one I was talking about. With uh, Candy Chipmunk got your can, and this and this is this will piss me off too. Like, so the whole get down is Slappy Squirrel is leaving to go to the market or whatever. She left her house. She's drinking like a can of like walnut soda. She's done with the can, and she like as she's leaving, she sees like an empty trash can. She just throws it in there and keeps walking. But the empty crack trash can belongs to Candy Chipmunk, and she comes up. Uh, uh, do you mind? Oh, mind what? Uh, could you please remove that from my trash receptacle? Seriously, like, that's my trash receptacle. I'm sure you have your own trash receptacle. And Slap is like, let me get this straight. You want me to get my can out of your trash can, go all the way back to my house, and put it in my trash can? Uh huh. Yeah. And then she's like, is that like, uh, do you have a problem with that? And Slap is like, no, but you do now. <laughs> so she basically spends the entire episode fucking with Candy Chipmunk, like giving her like all these gifts and prizes and shit. And every time she opens up the gift, it's that fucking can of walnut soda. <laughs> it is so fucking great. And then every time, oh yeah, and then um, every time she gets the can, like they do like the little five-note motif from the music, like da 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 They used to do that. Like apparently, they used to do that in the old. Ah, uh, private snafu cartoons during World War Two, and apparently the lyrics are "You're a horse's ass." <laughs> like, wow, really? <laughs> so, uh, and, at one point, she actually do, They actually invite her on, on basically, let's make a deal, which I've actually been, been testing on. But uh, they bring on Let's Make a Deal, and well, it's like they <laughs> all the different like, uh, we'd like to invite you to whatever. Gloss over that. Did you make a deal? Uh, actually, I I, I actually took the money because I knew the <laughs> I was I was on one of those shitty showcases. So like, my only choices were a zonk or some fucking like furniture that I didn't need or want. A zonk? Yeah. No. It was like it was like you pick the door. with one of them is a zonk, and then the, the other one is like the prize was furniture. That's pretty much what it was. And like and then like boy, like boy, uh, way also gave me the option. I can give you that or I can give you twelve hundred dollars right now. I was like, I'll take it <laughs> Cause I don't need a I don't I don't need a want that fucking furniture. And then the other thing is the zone. So like yeah, I'm taking that's, the fucking money. I would have hated moving that furniture when I moved. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And then like like it's fucking deductive reasoning, bro. Like, no, I don't want
3: the fucking furniture. I'm taking the money. Yeah. <laughs> I think I made the right decision, don't you? I agree with you, man. I, again, it, for no other reason than I didn't have to move that when I moved
1: you. That's <laughs> But, like, yeah. But then, uh, then, like, she goes on the show, it's like, uh, you brought, you won a lifetime supply of this, a lifetime supply of that, and a trip to the planet Venus. You can give, you can have all that right now, or get behind what's in the curtain. And everyone's like, go to the curtain, go to the curtain. And she's like, I'll take the curtain. And open the curtain, it's a damn cane. <laughs> <laughs> And it gets to the point where she starts losing her mind because, like, she's thinking that like, everybody that comes to visit her is going to have that damn cane. <laughs> and I think at uh, one point she has, like, a bandolier full of grenades and shit. And then some nuns come and visit her. You kind of collect for the poor. And she's like, oh, somebody gets Santa slappy. Huh? And she pulls out a grenade. And the nuns run away, but then she gets blown up, of course. And then, like, you see her at her desk, like, oh, yeah, they do a shining reference, of course. So she's at her desk at one point saying, uh, "All working can't, uh, work no cans, makes candy a dull chipmunk or some shit like that." And then Santa comes and he's like, "Ho ho ho, Merry Christmas!" And she's tripping like, "Oh, let me guess, you from Santa Slappy, right? Oh, what's your gift? Let me guess, a can?" And then Santa looks at the camera, "Being the jolly representation of this holiday, isn't it what it is? he <laughs> used? It goes back up the chimney. And then finally, she loses her shit, and she's like, "I can't take it! Give it to me! Give it to me! Give it to me!" And he gets her with a and That's the end. It's a really fucking funny cartoon. Oh, um, oh yeah. Uh, the good, the boo, and the ugly. <laughs> chicken boo and the good, the bad, and the ugly, basically. So, chicken boo is actually dressed like Clint Eastwood, so he has the, like the you know the. Uh, poncho thing with the hat and they instead of calling him the man with no name he's the man with no personality <laughs> <laughs> and then uh you see actors in there that are basically like you see lee van cleef and you know uh eli uh wallach and all the people from the good and the bad and the ugly and shit so they do a lot of parodies of like spaghetti westerns and but then of course you know find out that the man with no personality is just a giant chicken That's the
3: which, just to add, I got to say the spaghetti westerns for those producers that that is the franchise that just keeps on giving when, when mm-hmm. I my first jobs when I was an intern I had to sit down and do the uh, uh the dailies as far as worldwide box office and all of that one. we had we were a sales company mm-hmm. Tony's fucking spaghetti westerns are still in theaters in Italy well I don't know COVID right now nothing's in theaters but prior to that, they were still getting box office. Now, granted, they weren't making like Avatar money or anything, but I mean it's still got a box office total coming. That's
2: insane.
1: And how many American movies have you know ripped off a of spaghetti Westerns?
3: The most recent one of course being uh, Django and, Dude, all- and uh,
1: Yeah, Payful Aid oh. and all that shit, yeah. So
3: I mean certainly, if you're if you're gonna be if you're gonna try to do anything in this business, whether you wanna be an actor, a writer, director, whatever. You need mm-hmm. to pay attention to Sergio Leone. And, and, the, and the other thing that's really crazy, too, especially for young filmmakers, something to keep an eye on, that was a time and a place. The reason why they started doing those spaghetti westerns specifically was doing westerns the way that they did them. All you needed was talent. Talent in front of it. Because Italy post-World War II was a like, fucked up from Sunday. They didn't have much anything. They had almost nothing in the way of any kind of infrastructure. And so you, the idea of going and doing some big, crazy film where you need to have Massive sets and inside of a soundstage and all that—that not that wasn't, that wasn't even realistic. But yeah. hey, little shitty western town—that's gonna be very, very realistic because let's mm-hmm. be honest, western towns back then was super shitty. Yeah. Oh, put together a lean to out in the middle of nowhere. Sure, I can do that. Have a guy riding a yeah. horse. Yeah, we can do that. And it's the story. It's, and- so, not too much, not get too any- far, yeah. but it's worth no, it. No, no, get, get that and get that, get fucker,
1: Ennio Marconi, and give us a dope score. Exactly.
2: Yeah.
1: So all right. Now the next. Eastwood. Yeah. Yeah. Give me Eastwood. Give me that Eastwood guy. He's always around. Or what's the other motherfucker? Bronson or uh, what's the other motherfucker? Uh, uh, Franco
3: Nero. Get him.
2: Although,
1: yeah,
3: Franco Nero was a was a little bit harder sell for me for, but whatever. It's still it's still good.
1: Yeah. So, uh, the next cartoon, Dracula. Dracula. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: And then uh, the whole get down was uh. The Warner Brothers pool of Bugs Bunny and travel underground and they're looking for their uh, their ancestral home of Pennsylvania. The reason that they, the reason that they go to Pennsylvania because they their cartoons and they figure their parents were pencils. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, but they end up, of course, in Transylvania. Uh, and yeah. And actually the, the title of the cartoon is uh a parody of the chorus of the song Happy Wanderer by Olive. Ba-la-ra, 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 ba-la-ra. that shit. so that's what they got the name from um, actually funny enough the Dracula that they have in the cartoon is actually uh, Dan Castellaneta, Homer Simpson oh yeah and it's I think it's the same voice that he uses for uh, the robot King or for which one the Robot King. I think there's a character called the Robot King. I think
3: he's on Futurama one of the. But either way, oh, same voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, now that you say it, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Shit, man. I was trying. I was. I was plumbing my brand for Simpsons. That's right, Futurama. The Futurama. Yes.
1: Yeah. So yeah. yeah he used he that. He's that same voice for Dracula. So,
2: uh,
1: and uh, yeah. So they basically are fucking with him the whole time. And this is uh, the, this is the first time where uh, Dot does the whole is Princess the, Angelina.
3: Is it the Robot King or the Robot Devil?
1: One of them, yeah, I think it might be the Robot Devil, might be. But yeah, uh, it, it's that voice. Yeah. It's a great. Uh, but uh, it is a great character, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Dodd's full name of Princess Angelina Contessa Louisa Vanchesta,
2: Banana Panopho. That
1: was actually revealed in this in cartoon. And it's actually, so we mentioned John McCann, this is his first cartoon that he wrote for the show. And this, this cartoon, the strength of this cartoon actually led to him becoming a serious writer. Uh, in terms of writing. So yeah. It's a really good cartoon. So and then uh one part like uh you see like uh Dracula like was gonna turn them away but then she's dying she's like the blood in her neck like y'all can stay. Yeah, yeah so he wants he wants to pretty much drain die. And uh <laughs> um but yeah this the whole cartoon was really good and like Dan Castle and you yeah and at one point they actually do a sesame street reference where like they say uh I am Dracula. Like like didn't you teach math on Sesame Street? <laughs> Talking about the count, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and then, uh, yeah, but it's a, it's a real, and then of course they uh, foil Dracula, beat him, and then they leave and they, leave, they do the Buzz Bunny thing again, tunneling out, and they end up in Tasmania. <laughs> so <laughs> it's weird. Uh, another Warner Brothers skit Hot, Bothered, and Bedeviled, uh, where they go to hell. And one thing I love about that cartoon at the beginning is, this is like this parody of uh, Saddam Hussein. Yeah, was so darn insane. <laughs> so, and of course they he ends up coming into hell and shit. And and I love the uh, little the little they have a little song at the beginning. But kind
3: of, I'm sorry, I'd say timing-wise, it's kind of a uh, kind of a borrow, if not straight up a steal from uh, from South Park. Because I'm pretty sure by that point in time, South Park was already doing Saddam banging the devil.
1: I would not go that far into it, but like it was around the same. No,
3: I think I think this is like earlier '90s, so I don't think South Park had come out yet. Oh, right, well maybe maybe it was the other way around. I thought this was I thought this mm. was a little bit later on in the series, but maybe. No, this is like '94,
1: '95. South Park didn't come oh. out
3: until '96. All right, well, so. then, and then Trey and Matt ripped off. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> of, of Animaniacs, yeah.
1: Animaniacs. It, that is a crazy coincidence, too. I know, right? but uh, they do. Yeah, they do an opening song with, like, these devil chicks, and basically the Andrews sisters doing, like, boogie-woogie bugle boogie, boogie boy, you know, like, but hell-related, you know what I'm saying? And then the Warners, you know, do the whole thing with they digging in, they end up unofficially going to hell, and they meet the devil, who basically resembles and sounds like fucking Tim Curry from Legend. <laughs> so the giant devil horns, and there's the Tim Curry voice, but it was actually Ron Perlman before he did Hellboy. He was the devil in this cartoon. Ron Perlman, yeah, yeah. That too. that's right, yeah. And uh, oh yeah, at one point, like uh, they did actually, you know the, you know the uh, catchphrase, "You don't have a snowball's chance in hell." Yeah, and it's like, uh, "Welcome to Hades or, or the underworld." And and Wacko's like, "One moment," and he goes up back to the surface, gets a snowball, comes all the way over that down and puts it down and melts media. It's like, "Yep, not a chance." <laughs> Uh but like uh so basically he sends the devil sends the Warners to hell and their punishment is like either they submit to hell or his punishment will be making them w- listen to whiny protest songs from the sixties. He opens the door and it's like this dude this dude like basically like Bob Dylan. It's just Ornell, by the way.
2: He's like, he mm-hmm.
1: got a guitar. <laughs> oh I hate the government Oh, the UNB. The government stole my goldfish and unplugged my TV. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and it, like, starts... For me, my brain always went to um, uh, when they're on that, uh, that when they're on the stairs in uh, um, Animal House, and Volusia yeah. and he's like, craps guitar, beats the shit out. Oh. That's where my brain always went to, and that's
1: I gave my love a cherry that had no stone. I gave my love a chicken. That had no Blue. <laughs> I gave my love a story that
2: had no way.
3: I can <laughs> <laughs> back to all.
1: Sorry. Sorry.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Dude, we ne- we haven't had that moment in pop culture since and we could use that now with about a half dozen different music genres i gotta say so i'd love to do something like that just like just fuck some shit up yeah uh all right this next
1: uh, the next cartoon they have here is uh not really a good cartoon but it was it was a funny attempt uh Skullhead bony hands but they have mr Skullhead, and they basically the whole episode is basically a send-up of edward Scissorhands. They even had the Diane Weiss character and the whole family, and it's it's so weird. <laughs> oh, man, I love that shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, this is a good one. Chairman of the Board, where, like, uh, the Warners are at this party, and they meet this one particular guy uh, named uh, Pitt, and it's actually Ben Stein, you know, Bueller. Right, uh, yeah. yeah. So he's telling this long ass story about like and all the stories are like uh Bob Barker and cheese balls. And he, <laughs> and he just keeps it bo- like he he just keeps bothering the warners the entire night. Like everywhere they go, they try to get away from him. And he's right there. And I tell you one time I was listening to Bob Barker. You know Bob Barker's And then like I won't I think yeah, I don't know how much it has, like uh I don't know exactly how much the quarter probably I'm not really big on the system. and he just he just bores the shit out of him. <laughs> oh, this is another good one. Noah's Lark, where is <laughs> so it's basically the whole story of Noah's Ark, but Noah in this case is Richard Lewis, comedian, Richard. most neurotic, the most neurotic Jewish comedian ever, Richard Lewis as Noah. He's like oh, my God, I'm like, I can't lead this. Like, you know, the, the Richard Lewis thing. Like like, like oh, God, I can't believe this. My therapist needs to you know, you know Richard Lewis.
0: Yeah.
1: Just Being an erotic Jewish guy. And...
3: Uh, <laughs> 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 we got to know Richard Lewis uh, probably from Robin Hood, Men in Tights. But I'd say that's most people right. probably know him the most now from Curb Your Enthusiasm.
1: Enthusiasm. I, that's how I knew him. Uh, and uh, I knew him from uh, Robin Hood and the one sitcom he had with Jamie Lee Curtis for the... Those are two things I know Richard Lewis from. Uh, when I was younger, yeah. But now I know him from Curve and shit. And uh, he did a couple of those uh, table uh, dinner for fives with John Favreau. Yeah, he was really good on that. Yeah, so that was really good. Look, Richard Lewis uh, is. Right. Yeah, he, yeah, he's, he's 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 something else. And he he's the one that came up with the from hell thing. You know, saying I have the mother from hell, I have the yeah. therapist from hell. He's the one that came up with that thing. So. But, yeah, they do a
3: whole lot <laughs> whole, to whole, get down about that in one of the episodes.
2: Third. Yeah. So, and. So, uh, he thinks I think, yeah. I, remember, I think Larry, he thinks Larry David's ripping him off. I think I, this, Larry or this, somebody
3: Larry's working with
2: in it. I'm just saying, like, it's,
1: it, there's argument there.
3: Yeah, was like, uh, no, but, it's, it's, but it's hilarious just listening to him fight. over. was like, no, but uh, you know, this this is my thing. You know, I, this, I, you know, I came up. with yeah. oh, <laughs>
2: I'm
1: more I'm more neurotic than you. You can't be more neurotic than me.
3: Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Larry, Larry gives everyone a run for their money when it comes to being able. To be neurotic. <laughs> yeah, neurotic.
1: Yeah, I, I love Richard Lewis and uh, Robin Hood though. Like he's like uh, a <laughs> such an interesting name. Latrine, where would it come from? We changed it in the fourth century. You mean you changed it to latrine. Yeah, it used to be a shit house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> kill them! Kill them!
1: Yeah, yeah, kill them! Kill them! Yeah, and uh, what's the other shit? Uh, when he's like in the in the in the uh, in the jacuzzi. Yeah, when the dudes are blowing the shit, like, what you smelling for? It's in my bubbles,
0: and the pipes. <laughs>
1: All right, okay, uh, alright, so I need to talk, so you guys can blow, and they blow loud and they blow more. like, not blow, blow. <laughs> and then the whole thing with the mole shit, like, like uh, excuse, excuse me, uh,
2: I don't mean to be rude, but uh, I mole not mole On the other side. I have a mole.
1: <laughs> but yeah, Richard Lewis is Noah, that was a really good thing. Oh, another Mr. Director cartoon. Clown in, clown out. Wait, this time he's a clown. Uh, and then come to find out, uh, Mr. Plots and Wacko have what they call clownophobia or fear of clowns, which I can relate to. So uh <laughs> yeah, so uh so it's it's actually Wacko's birthday and they hire a party clown to go, you know, entertain them, but what the, uh, Dr. Plas does not know is that a Wacko has his fear of clowns, and, clown, and apparently he has one of the most advanced and most violent stages of clownophobia that Dr. Scratchy has ever seen. And Dr. Scratchy <laughs> so the clown is already gone. So Dr. Scratchy like, "Ooh, I really, I really uh pray for the clown uh, clown encounters a Wacko." And Dr. Mister is like, mm, "Okay." So basically, it's Jerry Lewis as a clown and then he does the uh hey the funny thing about it is he does the shit uh you'll never walk alone from the chair to whack up when you want to sleep put away that frown and never be scared of a
2: clown laugh on and on and on and on and on you'll never walk alone
1: Oh, so for you uh, kids and not familiar with the Jerry's Kids telethon, that's how he would end each of the telethons and singing and You'll Never Walk Alone. Look, oh, I love when they did yeah. it on the. Like, yeah, I love uh, what?
3: I'm not familiar with it. Just wait maybe a year or two. At some point, when I've got the financial wherewithal, we'll make sure to tape You Being Surprised by a Clown who's doing the Jerry Lewis song for your birthday. Please. <laughs> yeah,
1: I
2: don't think you want to do that.
1: I'm gonna. I will react like Wacko in this episode. That, that, that clown can get. That clown get hurt. <laughs> and uh, and I would be mad at you for endangering an innocent person because they didn't deserve
2: that.
1: It's fucked up, AJ man. Now like, you endanger the innocent person because I would hurt them. You know, and you know I would hurt them. That's fucked up, man.
3: I'll just. I'll get somebody who's like, uh, like an ex-marine. Somebody who can handle themselves. <laughs>
1: whatever man, yeah. and at one point <laughs> fuck <you. laughs> uh but yeah they call it, they call it condition in the condition in the cartoon clownophobia, but apparently the actual term is a uh cult, uh colorophobia some some something like that uh either way, there's one point where they're like uh they have uh Mr. Ply is doing a therapy session, he's like a clown and and he's like repeating this mantra from Dr Scratch and stuff, he's like a clown is my friend a clown is not going to eat me and throw me in a basement. And the, and the funny thing is they're referencing John Wayne Case, Gacy. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and it's like, a clown is not a big spider. Clown is not a big spider. It. <laughs> referencing it. So, <laughs> uh, and then uh, finally at the end, uh, like uh, Wacko is beating the hell out of this clown. And, the whole, and another gag that's happening throughout the whole thing is like the Warner's are actually playing hide and seek. While this is happening, and and uh, Yakko and Dad are like, What the
2: fuck is Wacko? Why didn't he find us? He keeps
1: beating down his damn clown. <laughs> That's why." And then finally it ends where uh, Wacko sends his clown off in the outer space, and uh, he actually does this silly little song throughout the whole thing too. He's like, uh, "Stop with the hurting," you know, <laughs> and and he's like, "Oh uh, yeah, when the wibble wind, the in the wind, the wind can wibble back." Oh, nice and chubby, baby. He keeps repeating that shit, though, the whole thing. And then finally, he ends up like on a planet with like these little Martian children who actually love the song. And he's like, I like it here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this next one is probably, my, this is definitely my favorite um, Pinky in the Brain uh, skit
2: ever. You know the one I'm talking about, right? I, I don't know. I'll have to hear it. Bubble Bowl, Bob Brain.
3: You remember that one? I told you, man. I'm horrible. I'm horrible with the, the, uh, okay. the titles for, uh, for the cartoon. Okay.
1: So basically, the brain decides to become a country music singer, singer uh, and uh, uses his album uh, to basically uh, plant a subliminal message in the minds of all the world's listeners. So basically, he's taking over the world through country music. And I remember that one. Yeah, so what happens is like he's trying to come up with a new scheme to take over the world. Pinky is watching like the country music channel, and uh, the song that's playing is uh Let's see if this sounds familiar to you. Uh, don't hit my head, like if your hollow head, I don't think I wouldn't understand. Yep, 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 yep. And then they see these people being interviewed, like, uh, "Oh yeah, I love is yeah, uh, I love Willie Ray Cyrus's album. Oh yeah, I listen to it twenty times a day." And then Rain's watching this, like pondering what i'm pondering <laughs> it's like no i'm gonna take over the world through country music so it's like uh i have a certain list of things that make me a country music singer so it's like uh i'm picking reason okay brain uh number one a cowboy hat check a southern accent check y'all <laughs> uh <laughs> blue uh next uh blue va- uh blue collar values I enjoy beef jerky and I enjoy beef jerky in the comedy stylings of Gallagher <laughs> and so, and then and then the final one, a height of at least six feet what so he gets these giant stilts, and he's like he gets pants and this giant stilts and the cowboy hat and starts starts his country music career he basically Peaky and the brain set off to nashville start the brains country music career. <laughs> And he introduces Bubba Bob, Bob, Bob Brain. And uh, what happens is he sings a song, and the song is like this I am a lab mouse. I escaped from my cage. Never had a job, never earned minimum wage. But you will respect me, yes, as my plan is unfurled. You will call me your leader. I'll be king of the world. And then after that, uh, Pinky plays this like subliminal message, and it's like,
2: this is the brain. you will do, do everything I say. you will do whatever
1: I say. You listen to this album twenty times a day, and then it actually works, and it starts becoming a hit song. I love the it was like country. That they say you know the album is going off of char, like you know, just hitting the charts, top of the charts, it's selling out like crazy, and um, this is like country music station like, hey man, I'll tell you man, I love me some bubble, Little Bob Brain man. Like, you see everybody with the you see everybody with the hypnosis eyes and shit like because everybody's in trance by the song. Hey, well Bob Brain, uh he comes on a TV show on the T uh what was it uh, the TMN network. Number TNN? Yeah. Yeah, the Nashville Network. So the the, the 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 country music network. So so it's like uh he's on a guest sh- he's on a talk show with Dolly Parton, and like Dolly Parton leans into him. She's like, you know, I'm your biggest fan. What'd you say to that? And he, the brain looks at him, he's like, I'd say puberty was a woman kind. To because, <laughs> she's, she's leaning in, and all you see is titties. And I'm like, wow, that's funny. <laughs> and then at one point, he's like on yeehaw. He's <laughs> on <laughs> like, yeah, he's on yeah, hee and shit. Like you know, you know the, the shit on yeehaw where they would come up out of the cornfield and do lame ass jokes and shit yeah. like that. You yeah. and hey, Bob, bu- 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 Brain Brain, Uh, I saw Par uh, I found Paris today. Really? How'd you find it? On a map. and (laughs) and then what was the last thing. oh yeah then he finally actually he actually wins a country music award uh and the single for best song goes to Bubba above my brain and the presenters are garth brooks and crystal gale (laughs) (laughs) and then uh (laughs) the brain comes up and accepts this award it's like wow this give my effervescence but this accolade is more than any colic mouse can handle and they're like what is he saying i don't know and he stops he looks he's like i'd like to thank my mama and elvis
0: oh ain't that nice it
1: was such a funny fucking episode man and then and then of course the getter was like he was actually winning and succeeding and but uh what happens was uh, Pinky throughout the whole episode kept fucking up his name. He kept calling Ba Booba Brain, like it's a Boba Brain. And then of course that breaks his concentration and you know that shit happens. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's sure. a really fucking funny episode. Uh, next one, Critical Condition. This is a Slappy Squirrel one. And the thing about it was it's Slappy Squirrel versus Siskel and Heber. <laughs> that was a good one. So what that was a very good one. So Cisco and Ebert are watching like this like laser disc of the Looney Tunes cartoons and they're giving their like you know, giving their review of it. And they're like, oh my God, we love the Looney Tunes, they're the best cartoons ever, except for our least favorite cartoon, Slappy Squirrel. She's the worst, unfunniest, you know, Looney Tune ever. And she's like, Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, We're not gonna have that. So uh Slappy finds out on television that the, oh, yeah, the uh, guys were named were Hiskel and Egbert, being <laughs> assistant mm-hmm. in Egbert. And, like, the Hiskel and Egbert are going to the new Steven Spielberg block, the premiere of the new Steven Spielberg blockbuster tonight. And they never specify what the name of the movie is, but because of the fact it's dinosaurs and shit like that, it's Jurassic Park. Yeah. And, of course, uh, they do the whole get down where they... Yeah.
3: So what? So I, I said that was a universal title, so... I couldn't, yeah, exactly. As far as I wanted. Yeah. Yeah, so but uh yeah they uh they they
1: end <laughs> yeah they end up basically getting their ass killed by Slappy Squirrel the entire time. so to the point where they're in traction at the end of it and they reverse their decision like, oh Slap Squirt's Squirrel's the funniest. Slapping squirrel's the best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah shit. They don't want to get fucked up no more. So oh man. Oh yeah, then they oh yeah, this I love the uh they have some couple of advertisements that I like. Uh one is for the slapper. Slap on. Slap off, slap on, slap off the slapper. You get the shit slapped out of you (laughs) by the stain. And they do the, you know, remember milk? It does the body good, those commercials? So they do another one, buttermilk. It makes the body bitter. Slappy squirrel. (laughs) The slappy squirrel is a young squirrel drinking buttermilk. And she grows up, becomes a woman, then becomes slappy and starts beating the shit out of some guy. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh oh yeah, next one. Uh broadcast news uh where uh the Warner brothers are uh basically they sandwich delivery people and uh they're delivering to this TV Anchorman, Dan Anchorman. Uh <laughs> and uh thing about it was they he, he like he wouldn't tip them so they decided to fuck with him. He becomes their special friend for the day. And I, one thing I love about this thing, the, the bad guy here, Dan Anchorman, was actually voiced by Phil Hartman. Yeah. And it's Phil Hartman doing like a, I think it was an impression of, a, who was it? It's Phil Hartman doing an impression of Sam Donaldson. Okay. Yeah. And actually, funny enough, the uh, character's original name was uh, Slam Fondlesome. So, <laughs> cause we, so, of course, you couldn't do that on Saturday morning cartoon, so Dan Anchorman became the character. And then the funny thing about it is his uh, news correspondents are also parodies of news people, so Duane Sewer is Diane Sawyer, and uh, Wolf Spitzer is Wolf Blitzer in this cartoon versions of those characters. And then I love at one point they actually uh, put uh, Mr. Anchorman into the TV, and he ends up going through different cartoons and TV shows and shit. And uh, he ends up on Gilligan's Island. Gilligan and the skipper think he's an alien and throw coconuts at him. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. He's in the Godzilla movie, and then my favorite one. He ends up in the WWF in a wrestling match against Bulk Logan. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And then how uh, how they end the skit is uh oh yeah, actually at one point they do a David Boyd reference. No, they do space oddity, space oddity, uh ground control, the to major town, commencing countdowns, engine on. Well, wacko does it at one point. You know, everybody does David Boyd. And how they end? How they end the skit is? Do uh, they do a uh, Dennis Miller's line from SNL when he was on Weekend Update? And
2: I am out
1: of here. That's you. Yeah, very much so. Uh, I love this shit. Uh, oh, the survey ladies, our favorite. <laughs> Would you like to take a survey? Do you like beans? You want to see a new movie with George Wendt? Would you, like see, would you like to eat beans with George Wentz? Would you like to see a movie by George Wynn eating beans? Apparently, this is based on a real thing that happened to Sherry Stoner. Like She was at a mall and she just kept getting pestered by these two surveyors. <laughs> so she wrote a skit about it. But it
2: was actually real funny. I love that shit. It's oh, like, yeah, and <laughs> then they do another. Yeah.
0: That was actually
3: have real life experiences, right? I mean, that's why the Ghetto Life Foundation pops up.
1: Yeah. So, but yeah, like I love, I love it. these like these ladies, these two ladies just kept fucking with Sherry Stone, so she wasn't scared about it. Um, oh yeah, they, they do a really great one called a uh, video review, where it's basically, a, a, it's basically like a throwback to like one of those, like there's an actual Looney Tunes cartoon called Book Review. And I remember this one, they would have books and they had the different characters do like the song and dance thing, to like the whole thing. Well, it was like, uh, uh, and so they do the whole thing except with video cassettes. Uh, and it's, it's really good if you ever get a chance to check it out. And it's, it's too many to name. Uh, but I do remember at one point they do a whole thing where, like, is there a doctor in the house? then you see, like, Medicine Man with Sean Connery, uh, Dr. Shabago, Dr. Giggles, the <laughs> yeah. and, uh, they all yes. And also, oh, yeah, at one point there's, like, a bomb, or a single they're throwing bombs at an airplane, and they just go into sets that bombed in, in, in the box office. So they're throwing down uh Heaven's Gate, Ishtar, 1941, and Leonard Part Six. That was the one that made me laugh. <laughs> so all these bombs they're throwing in <laughs> this helicopter. <laughs> oh yeah, another good one was uh they did uh the, you know remember the movie Bugsy with Warren Beatty? Yeah. So they do Bugsy, but it's Bugs Bunny. He's like, Who'd you expect, Warren Beatty? <laughs> Uh yeah, and then uh, but yeah, they did a lot of really good stuff in that one.
0: Like uh,
1: uh, uh, but yeah, it's a really good skit. Uh, Then they do a song about Lake Titicaca. Yeah, mainly because of yeah, mainly because of fact they like saying the name Lake Titicaca. (laughs) I didn't get away with that. Actual place. Titicaca. Oh Lake (laughs) Titicaca. We just like saying the name. (laughs) Is actual place, but. You know, Titty, you know, come on. Titty caca, Come on. Yeah, titties and Kaka. Come on, yeah. Oh yeah, this is the fun one. Uh Frontier Slappy, where like it's her versus Daniel Boone. The real Daniel Boone. It was like uh basically Daniel True's Daniel Boone's trying to cut down cut down the her treehouse or whatever. And like she keeps fucking with him the whole time, you know. And actually funny enough, the whole time he has these like singers, singing about his exploits, You you hear it in the background like Daniel Boone was a great big guy. Yes, a really big guy. He knocks down trees and frightens a beasts, so they'll cry. And as the skit continues, the singers are getting more and more disgruntled with uh, Daniel Boone, because he's like being abusive to them. Daniel Boone was a great big plan. Yes, a really big plan. He'll fix that squirrel by yanking her tree from the land. And finally, they have enough of him. And they're like, Daniel Boone is a great big jerk. Yes, a stupid jerk. He comes with another stupid plan that probably won't work. <laughs> oh, man. It's really funny. Oh, yeah. This is a great one. Uh, yes, always. Was the brain basically reenacting the whole Orson Welles commercial thing?
2: Yeah. 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 Yes. I've always said it.
1: Yes, always. Yes. <laughs> like, why would I say it like that? You know, you don't know that. Why would I say it that way? What? It it doesn't make sense. You know? <laughs> so it's the brain doing that the whole <laughs> It's great. Especially as you get older and you figure out what they what they're referencing. Uh here's another one. Um Kung Boo with chickaboo as the cry kid. <laughs> and it has the whole thing with, with Johnny and Mr. Miyagi and all that shit. Man. <laughs> oh yeah, and then the you know, Cobra Kai, suit the leg, they do all that shit. <laughs> Uh uh meet John Brain when Brain uh tries to run for president, but nobody he doesn't he uh he doesn't do video the entire time, but he of course he fucks up. Oh yeah, and Pinky is his uh running mate, Colonel Pinky. He's like all whacked out and shit. Yeah. <laughs> no oh. Colonel Pinky. Uh oh this is a good one. Uh Woodstock Slappy. Where uh it's 1969, Skippy and Slappy are heading to Woodstock, and you know what I'm saying they uh they end up they, they're there for the whole like festival and all that. Um, the the musical artists are there. They they reference the Who, yes, the band, uh, Jimi Hendrix, the Grateful Dead, Simon and Garfunkel, Janis Joplin, Buffalo uh, Springfield, John Lennon, Jefferson Airplane, Country Joe, Melanie, and Joe Cocker. Are all referenced in this cartoon. And at one point they do a, a ba- they do a version of Who's on First with all bands. So like uh. Who, who's playing who the name of the band who the band on stage who t- that's what i want to know who's the name of the band who the name
0: of the band <laughs> yeah
1: like uh it, like so the name the, does that band up there yes uh, do they have a name yes what's the name of the band yes the name of the band is yes yes <laughs> it's really it's really good yeah i just want to know who's uh who's the band who the name of the band who the band on stage (laughs) Who yeah they do a a really good job uh let's see oh yeah karaoke dokey where the warners are forced to uh, listen to the horrible singing of willie slackmer uh otherwise known as william shatner (laughs) (laughs) so they're basically in this they're in this place and they're doing a karaoke contest and Willie Slackmer has basically taken up all the time for the karaoke list, and he's on the scene of these horrible songs. <laughs> he's like, uh, what's this shit? Uh, John Jacob Jingo Heimberg Schmidt. His name is my name, too. <laughs> odd. You're odd. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, uh, he, he, he keeps saying, like, thank you, my little friends, my small friends. and then like finally they make him like sing all his songs or whatever and just as they're about to get on stage kind of find out they're being bumped by another star trek guy uh lenny me (laughs) boy but it's it's it's, and then of course they do oh yeah they do uh they do one thing with it uh they do jimmy crack corn and i don't care but they're doing it like rocket man style like what what, 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 what chair you did rocket man so it's like like Shannon doing this and then another Shatner coming in, you yeah. know? like, oh. It's so funny, man. Everybody loves that Rocket Man shit. Oh yeah, uh the chick, uh, next one, uh, the chicken who loved me. Chicken blue is James Bond. Yep. And you got M and Money Penny, and then of course somebody. He's a he's the best spy that's ever had. He's a giant chicken. <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh, okay, after that, uh Bologna and friends yeah. that were basically make fun of Barney. Uh it said it's a giant orange dinosaur named Baloney. Uh and then they uh start abusing the hell out of baloney. Uh at one point there's like a it's like uh do you know these songs or whatever? It's like, uh yeah, we know a song, uh the Anvil song. Well you sing it. Okay. Okay, so. <laughs> oh, Anvil's black and sh- yeah, a, a, a bla- Anvil's black and shiny. It's very heavy too. Now watch out, my chubby friend, or one will fall on you. Bam! <laughs> and I love how they end the song. They end the uh, shit doing the you know the goodbye song like I love you, you love me, the Barney shit. So they're like, uh, we love you, we I love we. He's as dumb as dumb can be. Yep, I. Know. <laughs> <laughs> so we found a way that we can get along ice stand still for the anvil song. <laughs> gotta wait five, again <laughs> an anvil song, man oh yeah, and then um the, the the broadcast is brought to you by the stupid broadcasting service, and viewers <laughs> like you
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and they do the p b s logo, but it's the free Warners. <laughs> so great! Oh, this is a really good episode. uh The C- uh the Warner Brothers 65th anniversary special where they celebrate the Warner's 65 years of show business. Now, how I like the beginning of it is that they do the old CBS special presentation shit. You know that special presentation. And it's the warner Oh yeah, but at the beginning, there's a TV show apparently that they interrupted. It's like uh, <laughs> they had this. Uh, character named charlton chipmunk a oh, woodchuck or whatever who yeah. uh, was trying to be a huge movie star or whatever but he's star. he's he's a star of the show called my father the tuna
2: <laughs>
1: so it's, 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 it's charlton woodchuck some kids and a giant tuna right next to so he's like he's in the cameras like my father the tuna will be seen tonight we'll be back next week <laughs> Now he has a special presentation <laughs> And then they do the special presentation thing. And actually, they start out with a musical number by Viza Vazelli, who's basically the note,
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And like, she's like, for 65 years, we've laughed at their mayhem. Here are the words we used to explain. They do like a splashy 70s style like um, yeah. musical number. <laughs> Silly, bizarre, loony, mad, and cookie. Crazy without getting mad. And cookie, echo, yeah, go, wacko, and dot. <laughs> they're hip they're cool they're hot they're warners fabulous warners wonderful warners look out but warners are back and then they, they knock her down so <laughs> and then funny enough it does, basically is a retrospective of the warner's career and then it's hosted by bob hope it's frank welker doing the bob hope impression it's a really good one too
0: no it was, yeah. it was-
1: fucking killer man and then i love how they uh, they go to the director The dude that created them apparently created them and went insane. (laughs) He's like. (laughs) And then they're like, "Uh, yeah, I heard he's uh, doing fine. He's like in an asylum with,
0: we're having soup today. And apparently,
1: uh, apparently what happened is the Warners were actually the side case of a character named Buddy, which I mentioned before. Buddy is actually one of the old school uh, uh, di- uh, sorry, Warner Brothers cartoons is like one of the first ones, if not the first one. And uh, so they have a, a modernized version of Buddy, and apparently he was like this, he was like he was like Ted Healy in The Three Stooges, like you know, oh, that yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so this is technically a Buddy cartoon, but then the Warners would come in and beat him down with mallets, <laughs> and it just became the stars or whatever. And then uh, they had a uh, one director named Weed Bimbo, who was like their main director. I love he gets on there and it's like, working with Yakko, Wacko, and Dot was the worst experience of my life. And I'm like, that's our weed. <laughs> and one thing we had to deal with, we had to deal with their agent, Swifty <laughs> 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 like,
2: no, no, no It's chicken boo like this, bro. It's, hold on. I got it right <laughs> here. <laughs>
1: He's a shrewd one, that Labo. <laughs> okay, now the the overall thing of the cartoon is like they uh they have all these different celebrities wishing them a happy anniversary. So it's like Slappy and Skippy Squirrel, Buzz Bunny, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, Foghorn, Leghorn, Yosemite Sam, Tweety Bird, are all wishing them like you know doing the com- you know when they had the commercial breaks and then they come back like the celebrities be greeting whoever like hey we want to wish you a very happy anniversary that kind of thing. yeah. Yeah, so it's been,
2: it's really good how they did that too.
1: And then they have uh, then they have uh, different celebrities that uh, the Warners did movies with. So they have uh, <laughs> they have uh, Spartacus with uh, Kirk Douglas and the Warners. They have uh, Ronald Reagan as the Gipper, <laughs> and they also have uh, you know Jimmy Stewart as George Bailey. So the Warners are with them in all their movies and shit. Uh, so fucking weird, man. But it's a really good episode. Oh yeah, and dude the whole episode, this mysterious figure is saying like, "I'm gonna take the Warners' route. Too bad the Warners won't have a 66th anniversary special. <laughs> not, after, not after I get through it. Not after tonight. And like, he's like a hooded figure throughout the whole thing. You come kind of not find out, the hooded figure is trying to destroy the Warners. His buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and then just as he's about to strike. They acknowledge him finally. It's like, you know, thank you so much, but we couldn't be here without our friend Buddy. Me. We really wish Buddy was here tonight, and he comes out the cloak. It's me. It's me. It's me.
0: It's me. I'm here.
1: And they finally get him one more time with a giant fucking mallet. (laughs) It was so great. Oh yeah, this is a good one. Super strong Warner siblings. What they make fun of Power Rangers. (laughs) They had so many good episodes, man, yeah. And they do the whole thing. They had Rita Repulsa and Goldar. Except so Goldar was like a pig, order, but it's the same voice. And, they do, they, and they, uh, they do the whole, you know, inexplicable shit at the community center that the Power Rangers used to do, like some good deed they're doing, and then Danger comes. And then, of course, force, the first thing they do is fight the buddies. And it, it, it easily beat them. And then the real villain comes. It's like a giant bug or something. And then they turn into... The super strong Warner siblings, and like I love how they every time they uh had to do some shit they uh they say in unison, right? <laughs> <laughs> they kept doing that throughout the whole episode, and then people had to shoot with the Power Rangers like jump into the air like go go Power Ranger, we do the
2: super strong Warner siblings, hey hey super sis, it
1: was great and so accurate, man. Oh, uh, oh yeah! Hard days, of Warners. Hard days, night. that's the Beatles, no, the Warner Brothers. So they're running from their fans and shit.
2: Like, uh,
1: and uh, they actually end up in a comic book convention where they're like, oh, the, "What's that?" Oh yeah! And then of the fans, uh, the leader of the fans is Elmira. So they're being hunted
3: down by Elmira. But that's
0: again, yeah. that's
3: I'm like it's kind of it's kind of sad that Elmira only shows up really there because they miss out some great opportunities to have ring with Pinky in the Brain. That's right. And then uh, I I love they do the uh, can't buy me love, but they do it will
1: make you laugh. You say you're gonna make a feature film with animation really
2: fun. You say
1: you're gonna have
2: a PG film with a hearty storyline. Jace, make sure it's good and funny because things ought to make you laugh. They'll make you
0: laugh.
1: Laugh. They'll make you laugh. And they do the whole, you know, the montage with the Beatles doing the pictures and shit. And at one point, there's actually Jerry Lewis in there. (laughs) They just keep bringing back Jerry Lewis cuz he's a funny character. Uh us <laughs> uh, see. Oh yeah, this is a good one. Give me a break. Where uh Slappy's trying to get away for, for you know for a for a little while, I have a vacation, but her her block is actually turned into like the uh, set for this giant epic movie. What Skippy is all about is like, "Oh my god, this movie is just it's mega." Like like how how mega is it? It's mega. <laughs> oh mega yeah and then throughout the whole throughout the whole thing they do like parodies of different action movies the first one is like Bruce Willis and you see Bruce with hair and it's like the me and the kids <laughs> walking with him I love how before he starts singing he's like how's my hair look <laughs> and then like okay and action kaya, yippee yo kaya, yay he's like ooh what dialogue <laughs> And then he goes in the building. And he uh, they do a big explosion. Of course, he comes down like you know with the fire holes and shit. And, and they're like cut, great. He's like, how's my hair look?
3: <laughs> <laughs> and like, Slappy just They had the bag on him because he's the first like Hollywood it guy, right? Like the first face in Hollywood. Whoever went bald, good before him. It's like you're always a character actor, you're like Gene Hackman or something, right? Or like the yeah. Ned Ned Beatty, right? Like you're that <laughs> guy. If you're losing your hair. He's the first guy who really crossed that precipice. Because, like, everybody else in Hollywood was losing their hair. Those guys, like, we talked about it with um, uh, Sean Connery and everybody. they always went and got a rug. Yeah.
0: I
1: so, mean, he, he didn't but, uh, lose yeah.
0: anybody. Yeah.
1: And then, uh, like, every time Slappy keeps trying to get away, she ends up in another in a movie. And, like, she's trying to sit on a bench to get on the bus, and then she's next to, she's next to forest. Mama says, "Like, like a box of chocolates." She gets, she gets on the bus. The bus from speed. So Sandra Bullock is driving, <laughs> and then you know, Keanu Reeves does the shit when he gets on the bus. Like, like, uh, like, uh, hey, everybody, uh, there's a bomb. And Slappy's like, "You want to see a bomb? Try looking at your performance." Director. Like, I was like, "Wow." <laughs> <laughs> and then she gets off the bus and ends up on the airport or whatever. And she's on a plane with uh, passenger fifty-seven. You see Wesley Snipes. Now they say he's passenger fifty-seven, but he's dressed up like Simon Dean from Demolition. Yeah. So uh, yeah. And then like her, the person she's sitting next to is fucking Shatner. Like, There's some thing. <laughs> like it, she just can't. She just can't escape. Like thing. Um. Wing. There is some thing on the way, <laughs> and then
0: finally,
1: and then finally, at the end of it, he's like, "Beam me up, Scotty," and then he teleports out. And then she goes up to the fucking cockpit to like complain, and it's Arnold Schwarzenegger flying with Jamie D. Curtis on a pole dance <laughs> <laughs> from True Lies. And then she find, and then she finally gets on like a, uh, a boat. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, peace, tranquil. I mean, you see this boat coming down and, she, and the boat and the person in the uh plane is like, I have you now, Mr. Bond. Boom! <laughs> and yeah, everywhere she goes, she ends up back in the damn movie. It's really good episode. Uh let's see here. Uh oh yeah, uh one point, uh Method to her madness, where actually it's in the fifties, Skippy and Slappy are going to a method acting class in New York at the fucking actor studio. And you see all the different actors in there like learning at the actor studio. So you see Marilyn Monroe, Liza Minnelli, Marlon Brando, James Dean, uh, Jack Nicholson. And they're all learning from Skippy. Skippy's like the star student. You know what I'm saying? And then Skippy starts doing all the dialogue from like Marlon Brando movies. So he does the, uh, I could have been a contender scene. A little kid voice doing it. I could have been a contender, Charlie. I could have been a
2: contender.
1: And then the whole, Stella, from A uh, Streetcar Named Desire. And then the whole, uh, i am make you an offer. You can't refuse from the Godfather. So it's, Skippy does all that, but it's in a little kid voice. And it's really, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, then they do a song, The President's Song, where they do all the presidents from Washington to the Clintons. And then I love, I love the ending song. With like a, They do it to the, the William Tell Overture. And then the, any song is like, the next president to be why well, I just might be yourself one day. Then the press will distort everything you say. So you jump in your play Like, and of course, the next president would be uh, Mr. Bush. Mm-hmm. Mr. Bush Jr. Oh, yeah. The, this pun for hire, where they do a whole we to do a whole thing of the Maltese Falcon, uh, which is really good, man. And, uh, uh, at one point, <laughs> I like this little gag, too. is uh, in the office, and he's talking to the guy. He's like, tell me your story. Just start singing the first part of
2: Gypsy's Tramps and Peas. <laughs> Gypsy's Tramps and Peas. like, what the fuck? <laughs> that
1: was funny. Uh, and then, um, Oh yeah! At the end of the cartoon, you see a cameo from Steven Spielberg, Jeff Katzenberg, and David Geffen, and Wacko's like, "That's the stuff DreamWorks made."
0: <laughs> For anybody,
1: they the guys that started DreamWorks. So exactly. And then you come and find out that the Maltese Falcon, and this whole thing, is actually a plaster version of Squid from the uh, Goodfellas. <laughs> <laughs> Squid with the crazy smile. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh oh yeah, uh Star Trek. And the Warners end up on Star Trek, basically. Uh and I like on the ship there's this gag where you have like uh, the restrooms, men, women, and xenomorphs. <laughs> From an alien. Uh <laughs> oh, uh, let's try to see what else here. Oh yeah, and then they uh do references to uh you know all the different Star Trek episodes, like spock's Brains, City on the Edge of Tomorrow, uh and then, like, do a whole thing about, you know, Star Trek 6, uh, you know, the journey home or whatever. Um, oh, yeah, and then they see Ricardo Montalban is the bad guy Khan. So, like, Yakko says, oh, my God, it's Ricardo Montalban in his huge chest. Because <laughs> we'll, we're going to watch Rafa Khan, and you're going to see that Ricardo Montalban has a very prominent chest area. To which
3: people thought it was fake because how old he was and couldn't find out it was actually real. So, hey, the man, the man never skipped, uh, never skipped arms. He's always, always, in, always in there for the upper body day. Who took care of himself, man? Can't help it. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, uh, the party. Uh, so they have uh, the Warners are inviting everybody to this party at the Water Tower, and uh, they, they keep uh, saying that they're gonna have this big surprise guest. And uh, uh, Mr. Plotz thinks it's Steven Spielberg. He's like, oh, I gotta go. I gotta go. Uh, at one point, he tries to get a date, and like all uh, he, the chicks he's asking, be his dates are like either dead or like they're already uh, people, like the people he asks is Minnie Ripperton, who died in 1979, uh, Squeaky from the Manson family, and uh, the last one is Connie Sullivan from uh, the Greatest American Hero. <laughs> But the chick he actually does take to the party is actually Joanne Worley from Lafayette. <laughs> my favorite yeah, my favorite part of the whole game is they have a running gag throughout the whole episode where they brought uh Christopher Walken as a to the party and he's creeping everybody out. <laughs> he's just sitting there he's just sitting there in the corner like, hello. <laughs> and everybody's like, Ugh. <laughs> Like like you could, you could like it's like oh, uh, well where's uh where's somewhere to see? where well, every other seat is full. You can sit here or you can sit next to Christopher Walking.
0: Uh, <laughs> just creeped everybody out. <laughs> uh uh,
1: yeah, the Living Buttons uh is another of buttons and many episodes. It's actually my favorite one of them. uh where uh, basically they same shit happens. Mindy ends up running away, except this time she runs away to a graveyard. It's a Halloween episode, so she encounters zombies, and Buttons has to save her from the, the zombies and shit. At one point, they're cornered in a house like light of, Night of the Living Dead, and there's this giant sign that says like, break in case of emergency. Buttons breaks it and turns into Michael Jackson from Thriller.
0: <laughs>
1: He's the jacket, everything, had the curl and the jacket and everything, and they, and they do like a little Thriller variant, like, doop-doop. <laughs> it, it's really good. wow, uh, 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 that's
2: funny. Let's see what else here.
0: Oh yeah,
1: uh, one of the last uh, acquaintances. Uh are <laughs> do a parody of Friends. Yeah, so acquaintances is basically friends. them in France. <laughs> yeah, it's basically it's them in France, and, friends. and uh, the ending is actually a parody of uh, Seinfeld.
0: They do the
1: <laughs> yeah that shit. Do, 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 do. Uh, it, it did Did The And oh yeah, actually to do a parody of the macadamia, uh the macarena, the macadamia. So it's like all the cast, cast members doing the macadamia. Yeah. Macadamia. Yeah. yeah macadamia. All right. Yeah. That shit. Um. <laughs> uh, and like I said, it. Um. That's. Uh. That's pretty much the last season of the show. And then the last episode was actually just a sweet. It's like clips best of it. So That's all it was. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, one uh, yeah, uh, to kind of wrap this up, Animaniacs was a very successful show. Uh, won eight daytime Emmys and one Peabody Award. Uh, like I said, at the time, it was the second most popular cartoon on uh, Fox Kids after uh, Power Rangers. And like I said, very popular with uh, adults. Uh, of the many awards it won, it won uh, a Peabody Award. Its debut in season, it won two Annie Awards for best animated television show won two daytime Emmy Awards for best music and the best original song for the Animaniacs theme song. Uh, won different annies, uh, different, uh, won two, uh, daytime Emmys in 96 for best animated um, children's program and best achievement in animation. Uh, so yeah, it uh, I think it went on different lists and shit. Like uh, IGN in 2009 actually put Animaniacs as the 17th best animated series of all time. and uh, September uh, of 2013, Animaniacs was listed on TV Guys, 60 Greatest TV uh, Cartoons of All Time. And even more exciting news: they are currently working on a Animaniacs reboot uh, that's going to be on Hulu. Uh, they've already started a production on it. I don't know how the
3: coronavirus is going to affect this shit, but I mean, I mean, is it's going to it be a major impact because it's animated. So I mean, especially now since so much animation is done digitally. Um, it really shouldn't have that much of an impact to slow them down. In fact, as soon as they start, you know, kind of uh, letting everybody out of the box out here in California, especially you're probably going to see the two things that will come back and stay on schedule and be pretty close to on schedule. It's going to be animated. And then anything that's considered to be, you know, reality, based content. So like your cooking show, stuff like that, where it's limited or no scripting, that's the stuff that's going to come back quick. Yeah.
1: But uh, like I said I'm happy to see it back I think it's like I, said, I think it's gonna be on Hulu and a lot of the voice actors have been talking about it like uh, like I'm have like Facebook friends with like uh, uh, Tom Ruger and uh, Paul Rudd and the writers a lot of the writers on the show Sherry Stoner. and yeah, they're so excited to be back doing it. and then, of course all the stuff that they have is like tiny Tunes or Animaniacs or Frioidid or related, because they did some great work and uh, I, I tag them whenever we do
3: one of these things like hey. Tom, you know, all these guys, they were doing a show about you guys. Yeah. You Put know, up, you know a, one thing you missed, and I'm going to say this is probably because you're more of a Marvel guy than a DC guy, but, dude, they had their own book for five years, DC Comics. Oh, yeah. Yes,
1: they did. Yeah, they had a run. Uh, like yeah, actually, a lot issues, I think. Plus, yeah, that? a lot of the Yeah, a lot of the uh, Warner's, like, animated uh Properties had cart had their own comic books at one point. They had a Batman animated series comic book. They had a Superman animated series comic book. Animaniacs had one. Tiny Toons had one for a little bit. A lot- Warner Brothers. I mean, the Looney Tunes have been you know in and out for years and years. Uh, but yeah, they've been bringing them back a lot recently because of the fact that uh, they brought back Hanna Barbera into the comics and they were like selling really good. So now they're doing some stuff with Looney Tunes. Uh, and like I said, they also, which is actually big news here. Uh, in terms of Looney Tunes, uh, uh, sorry, HBO Max is going to be bringing bringing back the Looney Tunes yep. this, at the end of this month uh, with their new uh, Looney Tunes. You're, you're like, going
3: to see uh, a uh, ton of Warner's properties on HBO Max. because That's their streaming their streaming service, mm-hmm. that's the one they're they're getting all their money and putting everything behind.
1: Yeah, so uh, so yeah, it's coming back there, and like I said, animation is coming back. Uh, like I would love to see how they do with today's climate, because, you know, they're going to be adding, you know, all the social media and all that. You know, they, you know they, cl- they were clever right then. I can only imagine
3: what they would do now. Like, all the movies that have come out since then. Well, speaking on the clever side, something we, uh, we, we skipped, because I can tell we're getting to the wrap-up. Just real quick, again, something coming from real life. The Get a Life Foundation was a hell of a patch yeah. catch, and the whole thing basically came out of, there were people who were sending in, like, you know, sort of kind of pseudo-fan letters, complaining about inaccuracies or things that were wrong in the cartoons. So they literally ended up making a joke. They had a foundation to help people get a life who needed to get a life, and it started out with somebody typing out what was an actual complaint they got about an inaccuracy or something that didn't make sense in one of the cartoons, and they're like... In a cartoon. A cartoon, like, we're not making a documentary here. Like, this isn't, this isn't a historical reference piece. It's a cartoon. Like, seriously, wow. it's a cartoon. And, and just thinking again, like, only imagine what they're going to do now. With, like, everything that happens on Twitter and all this, like, social media crap, there's going to be so much space for them to just rip people who have the, the lack of a life to spend time sitting there complaining. Actually, funny enough, Freakazoid also has that sort of about that
1: kind of thing, uh, from the Get a Life, sort of like a continuation of the Get a Life Foundation, and they're actually at a Comic-Con. Uh, when they do, the, they, they're, they're like in a common compound and they're being like uh, harassed by all these people. There's actually a character on the Freezor show called Fanboy, who's basically just the culmination of all those type of people in one person. It's actually voiced by what's the name of the late Stephen First, who's yeah. the voice of Fanboy, Flounder from Animal House. Was the yeah. voice. <laughs> so, so that voice talking about, oh my god, I remember in the Star Trek episode, you know, this this is happening. This ever like, God and even freakers on is like get a life.
3: <laughs> one of one of the best um, examples of that in like in, in any in pop culture in general, one of my favorites anyway was uh, it was the episode where Lucy Lawless is on uh, the Simpsons.
2: Oh yeah,
1: that's uh, actually one of my favorite if not my favorite um, uh, Treehouse of Horror
3: episodes. It's <laughs> Stretch, dude and, Stretch dude and Clover girl. With the well, oh, yeah. The great thing is they're basically sitting at Comic-Con and somebody says, in episode three, season four, the goblins of whatever, you know, some whatever the fuck the name was, says, uh, in, in shot one, you're clearly aboard uh, winged uh, white stallion, but in the next shot, you're clearly aboard a winged Appaloosa. <laughs> what are we to believe? This is some sort of a magical horse?
1: Ah. Well, I, lo- I, lo- I, lo- I love a response. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love a response. I was like, anytime something like that happens,
3: a wizard dude. <laughs> well, okay, but an episode wizard. <laughs> <laughs> a Wizard. Wizard. A wizard. And it just sits down. Like, yeah. Well, and even the way they open it up, because I've done a ton of panels, like, in terms of, like, when I'd run sound and shit. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: Okay, well, now open the panel to your obvious questions and fawning praise.
2: That's <laughs> basically <laughs> <this is laughs> what it is.
3: Animaniacs is going to have a field day coming back. It's going to be good. I've only done
1: one panel where I actually asked a question, and it was a Robot Chicken one. And I felt like a fanboy, but like I was, I was just asking uh, if uh, I believe the question was like I asked the uh, Seth Green and all those guys like if they were ever going to do like a a Teen Wolf like parody on Robot Chicken. That's all. I think that's the only question I asked. And they're like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah that's, that's, that's actually a good idea. Yeah, so,
2: it's not a bad. Yeah,
0: not a bad. I want to
2: you guys for that. Yeah." from the (laughs) fact that you were
3: at a robot chicken panel to start. (laughs) I was at a comic
1: con and they had a panel at the time, like what a really shit going on. And I didn't want to spend too much more money. So I was like, I'll go to a panel.
3: (laughs) Well, there you go.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, Uh, man. So uh, I really have fun with this episode because we both love the show. Like I said, it touched on so many like uh, great, Cinematic references and TV references Like when you see this stuff It's like oh
2: that's
3: good Well dude for dropping that culture Something that plays that much fun And, 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 and makes such a mockery Of so much pop culture It's perfect for us
0: Oh definitely yeah uh,
1: Like I said we hope you folks really enjoyed what, uh, Watching this episode as much as we had <laughs> As much fun as we had doing it uh, So I believe our next episode Once AJ comes back uh, I think we want to go ahead and do that deep dive into Mr. Small.
0: Got
1: episode. <laughs> there's a reason for that which we're going to get into in the episode but uh, until next time this has been Dropping That
3: Culture with JD and AJ I'm JD and I'm AJ we'll catch you guys next time Dropping That Culture Dropping That Culture Dropping That Culture Dropping That Culture
0: Dropping That Culture Dropping That Culture, Dropping that culture. Dropping that culture. Dropping that culture. Dropping that coast. Dropping that coast. Dropping that coast. Dropping that coast. Dropping that that coast.